Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. I got to tell you, special shout out to Straight No Chaser. We've gotten a lot of comments about the version that they did of the theme song. People very happy with it. They love it. However, they're very happy that we're not abandoning your version. Oh, yeah? Yes. The people, the people, the uh... people love it. Okay. They love the changing it up for the Homecoming special. They loved hearing it. They love Straight No Chaser. Go to Straight No Chaser's website for to see them live or go to Apple Music and download their music. But the original, it's going to stick with us for a while. It's like Coca-Cola. And you know what? We don't give each other enough credit on this show, I think. I think it's fair to say that, you know, from the moment I heard that theme song, I supported it. I loved it. And, why and are I you, just feel why, like why are you, you don't give me the credit. You're looking that, at me in the eye and you're lying. I don't think you give me the credit for supporting that song. You were a little skeptical of it. You were unsure. You didn't think your voice sounded I just good. wanted to do a parody song like Weird Al. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and And I supported that song from the jump. And I just think... It'd be nice if you gave you would some recognize props. that. Yeah. Well, I'm not much into revisionist history, so you're going to have to wait on that. All right. Well, listen. One thing we can agree on is that we are powered by Keep going. You're good. Keep going. Oh yeah. I like it. Oh, man. Never gets old. Never gets old. How about that Florida State game? Wow. You know, I know uh, this is before we've beaten Wisconsin, but yeah, let's let just take a, a moment to be reveling in that. And it, it was late at night when I finally got to watch it. Green light, green light. Green light, green light. And I was so happy for much of the first half, and I swore and cursed and ranted and raved and yelled for a good eight minutes at the beginning of the second half or whatever it was. And I just kept telling myself, I think I said it out loud a couple times. Like, I can't take this shit. <laughs> like, like this, this season's going to kill me. I tweeted <laughs> during, when you were thinking that I tweeted, 
I need someone to hold me. <laughs> I should have been there, man. Yeah. Uh, that was an intense, uh, rough uh, stretch in the second half. They cut the lead to three. But I got to tell you, man, and again, just to be clear, we are taping this podcast on Thursday before we beat Wisconsin on Sunday. Good. That's right. We're going to beat Wisconsin on Sunday. Correct. So just so you don't think we're ignoring the Wisconsin victory. Um, but – I was so obviously Devonte Green was a lunatic. I mean, wow, just, he made me dance by yeah, myself I mean, in my insane. living room. The Demisi Anderson three in the second half was the, awesome. The Demisi defense. Demisi played great defense, but the and Trace Jackson Davis has just been so consistent. Like, yeah, he's just so solid. I, I kind of I kind of don't want him to be too great. This I know season. what you mean. You know what not I, even, don't even voice it. I won't. Don't even voice it. So, but the decision to bench Al Durham with about five minutes left in that game, and go with Armand Franklin, not a point guard, freshman who's only played up until this point seven games, and say, you're bringing the ball up every single time, Devontae, you're playing the two, Demisi, you're in the game, was such a ballsy move by the coaching staff, and the right one because Al just was struggling. I mean, Al just could not handle the ball. And Armand just... Forget his three-pointer that he hit. Forget the offensive rebound where he drove and made a bucket. Forget all that. Those last five minutes of taking the pressure of Florida State and not turning the ball over is why we won the game. And I was so impressed. And you know what? This is something this podcast has provided I wouldn't have in a previous season. I thought about how happy and proud India must be sitting in the stands. Yes. You know, I was like, oh, she's probably, that's her boy out there. Like, that's her freshman boy just killing it on a big-time game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Like, so excited for her. I try very hard to not bother any of the people we've had on the podcast via text, but it's hard sometimes. And India, at 9.09 p.m., I had to text her, and I said, India, several exclamation marks. Armand was incredible, all caps. So much poise, unreal. And she responded, thank you. I was so proud of him and the team. I mean, him, her son, she could have just reveled in that. And the team. This is who she is as a person. It's why Armand decided to wear Indiana across his chest. He's raised right. He's who we want. It's the kind of player we wanted Indiana. God bless him. Uh, One thing I wanted to say, like everybody, obviously, and for good reasons, was talking about Devontae's scoring and, you know, even some of the defense and and uh, the, the assembly call guys. I was listening to their podcast and they were just talking about how he came off the bench and was just like right into the defense, like just down in the stance and digging in there. Uh, but one thing I haven't heard much talk about and this I just I love his passes and obviously some are yeah, yeah, I know, but it's First half. in terms of what I enjoy as a person watching basketball. Some of those passes, it's like Luka Doncic, right? Like, I love watching him play like a no-look pass, you know, an I anticipation. Know. Like, oh, God, it makes me so happy and excited. I agree. It just doesn't happen consistently enough because yeah. it's four assists and four turnovers. Yeah. It's like he, he has more creativity and vision than anyone on the team. Raw talent, without question. It's a little less raw now, but but Archie said in the press conference, oh, it's like yeah. there's no coaching that goes into it. Yeah, yeah, I you did. I, I, te- I texted you that right because I'll, I'll pull pull it back up so we have the exact quote. Oh yeah, it was. 
Um, and it, it really did sort of define, I think, what their relationship is. And look, it's it's Devontae's senior year, and I think they both really want to make the most of it. Quote, Devontae Green was special tonight. There wasn't a whole lot of coaching that went into anything he did, as usual. <laughs> Archie Miller. And Archie was smiling while saying yeah, it. Yeah, Archie was in a good mood in that press conference. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a big win. That's yeah. like, uh, look, they read the stuff that's going on, everybody criticizing the schedule. You haven't played anybody. You can't beat anybody without Rob. You don't have a backup point guard. Like, they read that stuff. They know what's going on. Do you? Do you think Archie does? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Really? On some on – s- either – reads it or is told about it yeah archie's on twitter is he though he's on no he's got an account and and no no he tweets archie tweets it seems i don't know if he's on twitter the way you and i are reading twitter it's when i because i'm rarely on twitter as you know i just check our account to see what you're up to and it's real (laughs) fun what offensive things i've said (laughs) um but like his seem very perfunctory like maybe he's got somebody who like sends him out on a regular basis so it could seem like maybe but i think that there's i don't I think Archie's tweeting himself, but I don't know. I, I just think that these guys know. He made a comment in the press conference about the people talking about his schedule. Oh, so, yeah. like, they know. He's not immune. He's no, not in and a he's bubble. he's got assistant coaches and people who talk to him about, like, yeah, people are. Like, they know what's going on. Yeah. That win was such a joyous thing to have. We needed it. We needed it right then. And we need to roll it into the rest of the season and let that roll into the future which is why we're talking to this guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Hoosier Hysterics. We've got somebody on the phone we're excited to talk to. Eric, tell the people a little bit about who he is. Well, this is another, uh, in a very rare group of return guests for us. Um, This gentleman is joining the elite group of Jeff Rabjohns as a return guest, and I know that probably just chaps him. Yeah, that that's he's like, like his, number two. His arch nemesis. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so this is a really fun one. The last time we did this was almost a year ago, uh, and we really got to dive into recruiting and, and the outlook for Indiana, and that was a year ago, and just really excited to be able to do it again, and that's why we are very excited to have on today national recruiting analyst for 24-7 sports, just by all accounts, the the best in the business at what he does, and because of that, he needs nicknames. A good one. He needs a or, or he, several several nicknames, and that's why we are talking to the prognosticator of prospects, the sultan of sarcasm, the philosopher of five stars, and because we already gave rabbi of recruiting to Rab Johns, we give the reverend of recruiting to our guest today. Please welcome Brian Snow. I just know this when I when I tell my mother that I'm in a select group with Jeff Rab Johns, she'll know she succeeded in raising <laughs> the right way. There we go. Just a shot across the bow, right off the top. The Sultan of Sarcasm <laughs> strikes again. That's right. <laughs> Brian, how you doing, man? I'm great. You know, just it's a little cold, but I'm good. And you are in Indianapolis, correct? I am. Yeah, yeah, Brian, it's cold in California too. I mean, what it's like almost 60. Yeah, it's like 65. <laughs> yeah. It's chilly. Yeah. Chilly. We're both wearing sweaters. We had a little bit of rain lately. That's cuz you guys have gone soft. I know how you you southern California people get, you get away from your home roots and you just go soft. 
within days. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> it absolutely. Ha- it happened immediately. I am soft <laughs> as the plush baby Yoda toy that's going to be available very soon for everybody. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you what. When we went to the Forum Tip-Off Classic last year, that's the coldest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> But it was nice to be surrounded by literally thousands of crazy Indiana basketball fans packed into the Southport gym for that event because we were able to glean and take the body warmth oh, of yeah. the people next to us. Oh, yeah. And and then we all got fired Is there up. any other kind of Indiana basketball fan other than a crazy one? No, there no. is. Not a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I mean, not a good one. And, okay. And not after 20 years. That you got to be really crazy to still be an Indiana fan. So before we get into this, I did I, I didn't mention this in the intro, but one of the reasons we're having Brian on right now is because Brian, this will be released on Tuesday. So Brian's amazing high school Indiana high school showcase event, uh, the Forum Tip Off Classic, is happening this coming Saturday. We were fortunate enough to go last year, and honestly, we took our dads. It was just a perfect event of basketball, and last year. Armand Franklin was finishing his game when we arrived because we came from Bloomington after the Louisville game. And then we got to see Trace Jackson Davis play against Keon Brooks and Isaiah Stewart in in just an awesome, awesome environment. If you are anywhere near the Indiana area and you have any inkling for basketball, this is basketball in its purest form. It's high school basketball. In the state of Indiana. And and you, Eric, had you been to an you've been to some Bloomington South games and stuff before, right? I went to a lot of games because my at the time my girlfriend when I was at Indiana was a year ahead of me and she taught at Indian Creek High School. Okay. So on Friday nights I used to drive to Trafalgar, Indiana and go see the uh, Indian Creek High School team play uh, in their gym that was like a pit. It was great. Well, and for me growing up going to Indiana High School basketball games brian going to your event it brought it all back it's so fun the crowd was so into it and oh yeah there were a few coaches there too brian who showed up there last year yeah it was uh tom mizzo archie miller john calipari uh there, there were a few of them there not you know, bad. assistance for ball state iowa it, it was a uh it was a packed house of dignitaries it, it was and not to mention the hoosier hysteria yeah, yeah present company excluded <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, and Dane Fife, your legend. Oh, that's Who, true. Who's your hysterics guest? That's right. Dane Fife was there. He is a, an ongoing guest. That's it's sort right. of we're just having like this series of private conversations with Dane that at some point will be released. You, you don't want to. You don't want to get carried away too quickly. No. By the way, just to take a pause on that, you I, I assume have known Dane for a long time. What is a um, fair amount of time? Yeah, we we love Dane. He was I mean, obviously, we loved him as a player for Indiana uh, and, and getting to talk to him on the podcast has been really fun. What is your take on on Dane uh, just as a guy? He's a good dude. Uh, you know, he's you know, sometimes you wonder, like, you know, like what is going on in your head, Dane? But he's <laughs> a great dude. Uh, you know, I. He's from Michigan, so you know you get a stuff in the water up there. It's gonna mess with you. <laughs> but good dude, obviously was a very overrated player. <laughs> but I, th- I think he's an underrated coach. Oh, okay, so, fair enough. He's evening it you know, out there. Yeah, uh, I I will tell you 
everybody that we've had on that played with Dane on that Indiana team, Jared Jeffries, A.J. Moye, you know, anyone we've talked to, talks about how the word that they use to describe Dane is he's just a little off. There's just something yeah. off about Dane. And that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Story checks out. Uh, but, uh, you know, before we get into just kind of hitting Indiana recruiting, I, I am curious, this this Forum Tip-Off Classic, Brian, how did that come to be? How did you start that? Um, how has it become kind of the premier Indiana, besides the, the, the state championship tournament, it has become the pinnacle of Indiana high school basketball, the event. How, how did it start? How has it evolved over the years? And uh, just walk us through that process. Yeah, it, it started, uh, I'm from the great state of Ohio. And in Ohio, hey, <laughs> listen, we play for national championships. Stop. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's why, you're, that's why you're a basketball analyst. Uh, yeah, in, in the early 60s, right? That was the last yeah. time you played for a national Hey, listen, <laughs> hey, they played for a national championship in like 2007 and Florida kind of like beat them by a thousand. That's true. But I've right. heard enough out of you too. <laughs> um, but so in Ohio, there's something called flying to the hoop. It's it's a big national event, but it features most of the Ohio teams. And when I moved to Indiana eight, ten, whatever years ago it was, I was stunned that there was nothing like it. In it was Marcus T, Cody Zeller. Gary Harris, you know, go down the line, just loaded class after loaded Brandon Dawson, just loaded classes of talent of all these great teams. And there's no event that put them all together. And I couldn't figure it out. So, you know, me not trying to rock the boat. I just kind of wait a year. No one starts anything. By the way, Brian, so, I love I love you say you know you not wanting to rock the boat. I mean, that is the most yeah. ridiculous statement you can make about yourself. It was a terrible statement, but I just went with it. Felt right. <laughs> I think it was like you waited till the boat got far enough from shore. They wouldn't throw you overboard. And you're like, okay, now let's start rocking yeah. it. Exactly. You, you got you to gotta have a feel for things. So um, sat down with some friends, um, and one of which was Kyle Neddenrip, who works for the Indianapolis Star, who does a fantastic job. Yep. And said, you know, kind of just, let's do this. And ultimately, Kyle decided working for the store wasn't his, in his best interest to do it. And me and another guy, Mike Fox, we kind of brainchilded it, put it together. The fear at four games, you know, Greensburg with Bryant McIntosh against North Central, which at the time had Aaron Gordon. It was kind of the marquee matchup. And then every year since then, it's grown. And, and now I, I literally have t- like getting, I have athletic directors getting mad at me if they don't get invited. I was wondering um, if if maybe some uh, oh, some gifts come your way from from teams that want to get in on that. Well, it's like no one likes me that much to send me. <laughs> Brian, but yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I'm curious. The, though, do you like besides just showcasing the talent and being part of this amazing event, do the high schools benefit financially in, in this event? You know, the high schools have like a, uh, they can sell tickets beforehand. They get 50% of the gate or 50% of what they sell. Um, and so, yeah, some of them do. Um, some of them choose not to, that's up to them. Right. Uh, but yeah. And a lot of it's about exposure. It's just about being a part of something big, you know, it's a sectional type atmosphere in December. Coaches really like it because 
chance to play, you know, for instance, a team from Indiana can play a team from Evansville and not have to travel six hours to do it. Right. You know, not that Southport's necessarily close to either, but it's halfway in between. So you cut off half your time and it it can make life easier in that regard or, you know, like a one-off, like Culver and Bloomington South wanted to play this year. They didn't want to play next year. So instead of determining whose home game it is, we got them to play it at Southport. So it's just kind of, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And the schools themselves really have enjoyed it. And, you know, it's just become an event that's really become, you know, something special in Indiana. And the fans are what makes it special. The fans and the players, they they treat it like a big deal. So... I just deliver them pizza after the game. Gene Bryant. We got to talk about the pizza. Oh, yeah. In in the VIP room. Last year we went, and I'll be honest, (laughs) we snuck into the VIP room at the end. Okay. And I I, sent you passes. Yeah, that was legit. We were supposed to be back there. We did passes. You're right. You did. All right. So we went there. There I, I went to grab a piece of pizza. And some guy looked at me and said, that's for the players. Yeah. It was kind of scary. I mean, I'm a VIP. I wanted a piece of pizza. Can we up the pizza game this year for the VIPs? Well, the VIPs have their own food. You were trying to take player food. Where was the VIP food? I don't know. I don't work in that department. <laughs> I I did. I straight up from the fridge stole a Dr. Pepper that I'm pretty sure was there before the Forum Tip-Off Classic. <laughs> like, that was not for any of us. Hey, you're not in jail. It all worked out. <laughs> That's right. I got out of the state. So, Brian, how how early do you start locking in the teams? Because obviously what you are attempting to do, and, and we'll go through the lineup here that you've got this year, you, you clearly are getting the best prospects that are on the, the radar screen for, obviously, Indiana, but also all the surrounding schools, Kentucky, Ohio State. I mean, th- these are national recruits oftentimes. The lesser schools. Yeah. <laughs> how, how early are you kind of saying, okay, I know Trey Kaufman's going to be a big prospect. I want to make sure Silver Creek plays in this. How, how early do you start having those conversations? It has already started for next year. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I've actually started the conversations already for next year. Um, so, you know, some school, some states, the, the school schedule games earlier than others. Indiana, the ADs, the coaches, they like to have their schedule set really early. So, you know, it's on me to really get to them and see if they're interested and then if they're interested, who they want to play, who they don't want to play, who they already have on the schedule. So that process has already started now for next year. And, you know, I'm working on, you know, in my head what matchups I want. I don't make any promises this early. But, you know, what matchups, what are going to be good? You know, one thing I try to do, I try not to make it all, you know, the 4A big schools from the Indianapolis area. I like to, you know, try to mix in, even if they don't have elite prospects, you know, some of the smaller Indiana schools you know that make indiana basketball unique and great those communities that really support their teams places like greensburg places like heritage hills that i have in this year you know we had frankton last year i I think that's kind of what makes it special is to have different different communities different schools different places it's coming and getting together in all in one day at one time it's also got to be such a big boon for Southport. I mean, where do you do it? I mean, that, that place was packed for hours and hours and multiple, multiple games. You play six games there. Uh, they've got to just love the kind of attention that the school gets. So, you know, they always – I'll walk into the uh, school 
you know, even if it's just to meet with the AD about something and someone will inevitably come up to me like, oh, we can't wait for the event this year. And I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Or, you know, I'm going to a game at Southport and the ticket takers, they're all excited about the event. And it's like, wow, you guys really embrace this thing. So that's been another good part of it is, is Southport's been a great partner to work with. And obviously it's a fantastic gym. It's one of the best high school field houses in the country. Well, let's since we're talking about it, might as well just get into some of the games oh, and the I, prospects. I do have one suggestion as we go into that. Maybe just from now on, Joey Brunk, Southport's finest, he becomes the master of ceremonies. Ooh, you know, like maybe that. tosses up the jump ball or something like that. You, I'll have to talk to the Brunkinator and get him <laughs> get him to make an appearance this year. They don't have in a game. Let's get the Brunk back to Southport. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that guy, if he walked back into Southport, he's got that those th- that thick head of hair he thinks he's like bradley cooper from a star is born he'd probably bring acoustic guitar with yeah, him. yeah man like he might you might even get him to sing a song i mean he he's a rock star you know i get i i i give him crap for his hair he tells me the ladies love it i have a hard time believing it but it's what he claims <laughs> well the fact that i am as bald as a, a cue ball i do not insult anybody's hair I mean, I, I somebody's got a comb over. I'm all for it. Like, if you can rock it, rock it. Because once it goes, there's no getting it back. I mean, there's ways to get it back. You just may not want to partake in those ways. I did think about the spray paint hair for a while. I, I like those infomercials. I, I know somebody who did that for a while. Really? And I had no idea. But it just gave enough coverage that what was going on in between. It wasn't actually what was grabbing the hair itself. It was like painting his scalp underneath. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. So you're, you're trying to go with the LeBron look. Oh, yeah. yeah. Boy, that guy. I mean, what is he doing? Just go bald. You're LeBron. You could just go bald and you'll be a badass. And it's not like he's got a pompadour. It's just like a millimeter of hair anyway. It clearly has a nice shaped head. Just do it. Seems logical to me. Quit fighting the battle. I know. That doesn't make any sense. It's just one fatal flaw. That's LeBron's (laughs) fatal flaw. So, Brian, let's talk about uh, some of the matchups you've got. It starts with Southport versus Greensburg. You then have Brownsburg versus Heritage Hills, like you mentioned. You've got Hamilton Southeastern versus Gary West. Now, Gary West is the team that has that unbelievable stud for 2022 that is that is injured. Is that correct? Yeah, Jalen Washington. He is probably the best prospect in the state, period. Uh, unfortunately, he tore his ACL. But they have a, a, a very good junior point guard as well, Kwamari Peterson, who's going to end up on the high major radars. So that that should be a fun game, getting Gary down. And, you know, Jalen unfortunately won't be able to play, but his coach is confident he'll make a full recovery. And and it, it'll be a good chance for Kwamari, who's a kid with a lot of ability, to show what he's capable of. Well, and it seems like ACLs these days, it's like Tommy John surgery in, in Major League Baseball. These guys, like, come back stronger after Tommy John now. It almost seems like the ACL is just a rite of passage. Like, you're, it's going to happen to most basketball players. And the, the recovery times have shrunk on them. The rehab, obviously, has gotten more sophisticated and better. And it doesn't seem to be something that impacts these guys long term, as long as they put the work in. Yeah, and... You know, like you said, there it's so scientific now in terms of the steps you take in the recovery process and everything like that. That, you know, it you never want to see it, but if it's going to happen, it's a lot better now than it was like when you guys were in high school, oh, like fifty dude. years ago. Oh boy, <laughs> rough. Where does Indiana stand with either of these guys? I know it's early; they're twenty twenty two kids, 
and and Gary is a tough area for Indiana historically to recruit. Real far away. Uh, and and Jalen, if he's if you're already saying he's the best prospect in the state, that means he's one of the best prospects in the country, and he'll be a national recruit, I assume. But what is there a relationship already with the Indiana staff, and and where are we with that guy? Yeah, you know the Indiana staff they they were his believe his first high major offer. Uh, maybe you know I guess we can't crack on DePaul anymore because they're like nine and zero. Right. But. Uh, Outside of DePaul, I think they were his first time major offer. They did it at team camp uh, in June. And while I don't think there's like any huge underlying connection, the reality is Indiana's done a good job early of building a relationship. Now, the kid's nowhere near a decision, but his choice of basically any school in the country that he wants to go to. Um, and Indiana's definitely going to be in the mix. You know, Purdue will be in the mix. Um, once Kentucky learns his name, I'm sure they'll be in the mix. <laughs> Louisville, schools like that. And you know, but Indiana's done the job that they can do to this point, and he's he, he's interested. Again, you know, like he's not any you know he's worried about getting his driver's license. He's not worried about picking a college, right? But you know, Indiana's done what they can do at this point to make themselves a factor for when the time comes. Brian, I'm curious if you know now we're in year three of Archie Miller and this staff. There was obviously a lot of excitement when Archie took over. You, you know, any new coach when he starts gets excitement. Tom Crean had the same kind of excitement when he started. Same with Kelvin Sampson, even with all the, the baggage that he brought. But now we're in year three. We're, we're getting a little bit more into the tenure of Archie. Is there anything that's happened in the three years that Archie has been there, a little less than three years, that Archie's been there, that makes you think that Indiana is in better position to be at the top with this level of recruit, worse position, or is it the same as when Archie started? In terms of the recruiting aspect, I think it's about the same. And that's because, you know, like for all of Tom Crane's flaws, warts, and faults, of which there are numerous, being able to recruit at a high level was not one of them. Mm-hmm. And you're able to do that at Indiana for a variety of reasons from Tradition to location to the league you're in, everything that goes with it. But I think where Archie has made this a more sustainable program is no joke. When he got to Indiana, they were operating at a probably a 1996 level. Right. You're talking about re- resources and facilities. Resources, just the 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 athletic department thinking, the way they op, just everything about the operation was 20, 25 years in the past. Now, they're still not up to a 2019 level yet, but they've made, you know, 10, 15 years of progress in three years. Wow. And what that does is it, it sets up sustainability and the ability to succeed long-term. Like, because of when he was hired and who he was chosen over, Archie Miller's always going to be compared to Chris Holtman and Chris Mack. Oh, yeah. Always. We, we do it, and, and we do it weekly here. Yeah, that's not going great for us yeah. right now. But, but that's a fair thing to do. The reality is Chris Mack, and Chris Mack would be the first to tell you this, he walked into a situation that was set up to win from the top down at the highest of levels. Chris Holtman walked into a situation that was set up to win from the top down at the highest levels, and everybody at those two schools knew exactly what it takes to have a competitive and intense and just – Amazing college basketball program. The same couldn't be said of Indiana. You know, they both walked into schools that 
for all of India or for all of Louisville's warts, for all the problems that they were having, their APR wasn't a debacle. Archie Miller walked in and on the first day he had 17 players on scholarship and an APR that would not allow him to get down to 13. I don't know if you're aware, but the rules indicate you can only have 13. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like you're literally trying to plug a square peg into a round hole. Like that's a problem that you would never have that problem at Ohio State. You would never have that problem at Louisville. And and that's why Archie's process has been different and is going, you know, and I'm not saying I'm not excusing anything. I'm not saying he shouldn't have the success those guys are having. I'm just saying he walked into a very different situation. And I I don't want to say, you know, they're they're slowly but surely, you know, making progress. I would say they're rapidly making progress. They're, They're doing a good job of realizing what it takes to become to operate at Michigan State's level, to operate at Ohio State's level, to operate at Louisville's level. And they've made a lot of progress in a three year time. And I think when you make that progress from the top down, that's what sets up sustainability that Indiana hasn't had for 20 years. And that's where they're making the progress. And as that starts to replicate itself year after year, that's when you get better recruits. That's when you get a roster that that looks like Indiana's roster should look like. Well, and is part of the sustainability also building uh, from the inside out with a lot of these four-star guys. So then when the five stars do come through out of the state or, or even from out of state, you know, you bring them in as they become available and you're enticing to them because you now have a program built with a, a rock load of four stars. Is You know, because I think in my mind it's like, well, you know, especially hearing this stuff about where the program was as a whole, is Archie going to have to just really make Indiana a solid top 25 tournament every year team near the top of the Big Ten with with four stars and the occasional five star from in-state before maybe a few more years down the road he's had enough success on the court to really start landing some big fish on a regular basis? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the way it had to happen. Romeo Langford had the worst timing possible for from an Indiana perspective. Right. You had the, even though he wasn't a generational talent, he was viewed by many as a generational talent from Southern Indiana, the savior, the wonder boy. That's not going to happen in nine months. That's not going to happen in one season. And it's not going to happen. He's not going to be able to change a program like that. No, no one kid did. You know, Markel Fultz was the number one pick in the NBA draft. Washington missed the tournament. Ben Simmons is on a max contract right now. His one season at LSU, they missed the tournament. You can go down the line of one and dones like that. Because Archie didn't have time to build the roster the right way, and it was constantly being cobbled together by Tom, and the bottom kind of fell out of it right at the very end, especially when Thomas Bryant goes pro, OG Ananobi, James Blackman, you can go on. Um so then you have the Wonder Boy, the guy who's going to save the program, walking into a situation that he cannot save. Right. And that's the worst possible thing because outside perception doesn't match internal reality. So if this – if Romeo Langford was coming out two years from now, it would have been a much better situation for Indiana. I said at the time it was – I didn't know if it would be better to get him or not to get him. Because of what the outside expectations were for him, and it gets back to not having that base, not having that roster to work with, where that super talent type of kid can come in and change things and take you to the next level. 
instead of it just being, hey, Romeo, go be wonderful, save the program, which really isn't isn't a realistic thing for any one 19-year-old to be able to do. And when you talk about the outside perception and expectations, obviously that's us, the fans, but speaking to coaches around the state, AAU and high school, do they understand the point you were just making to us of of why the timing was bad and you know when they're looking to where they might encourage their players to go – in the near future, do they have more sympathy and understanding for what Archie had to deal with than the average Joe on the street? Yeah, and, and part of it is, is Romeo kind of did his own thing as far as AU goes. So, you know, there was no, like, undying love for Romeo um, from whether it's the Indy Heat program or the Indiana Elite program. They just, you know, it's like Romeo's his own dude, whatever. You treat my guys well, that's all I care about. Um, and, and Indiana's done a good job of that, Be whether it's currently Trace Jackson Davis, Rob Finnessy, guys like that. Um, you know, Trace played for Indy Heat, Rob for Indiana Elite. Um, th- there's other kids that fit that mold as well. So that that's what, what matters, and people understand that. Romeo was kind of his own kind of outside entity, so to speak. He was Romeo Langford Enterprises. <laughs> people understand, and they, they I think they genuinely like this staff. And they feel that they work hard and, you know, everyone wants to see wins. For the most part, the quote-unquote power brokers. Now, with that said, Indiana's a state you recruit the parents and you probably don't need to worry about anybody else. But, you know, the quote-unquote power brokers, be it a high school coach, an AU coach, for the most part, they're almost all Indiana fans. Mm -hmm. So they want to see Indiana do well. They just also want their kids to be happy and in a position to succeed. And, you know, if Indiana's at school for them, great. If it's not, they're perfectly okay with it as well. So, Brian, I want to dig in on something that you brought up because I think it's something that us fans just we, – we don't have – we're not privy to the same knowledge that you have in the inner workings. You talked about how Louisville and Ohio State were really set up from the top down. And when you talk about the top down, you are not talking just about the head coach. I assume you're talking about from the president of oh, the no. university on down. And when President, you- athletic director, associate athletic directors – and not only that, the mindset that they have right. and the understanding of what it takes. Right. When you talk about the APR and the roster construction, because really that's what we're talking about here. Tom was all for oversigning. That that really was his decision. That that the the decision of who to offer and how to build a roster is the head coach's decision. But I want to kind of move yes. away from that. And when you talk about the the top-down stuff, can you give us a couple examples of where Louisville and in Ohio State and Michigan State and others that are set up from the top-down, what what are a couple tangible things that they do or are doing that Indiana wasn't when Archie came in? And maybe still isn't that that they need to. Yeah, and Eric, we touched on this the last time, and and I think people got it confused what I was saying, but just – you know, from from the way Indiana approached by games before Archie yes. got to Indiana yes. was very different than the way Louisville or Ohio State would approach a by game. Um, Indiana would just, you know, here's $70,000. We're going to get North Carolina A&T, whatever. Just call it a day. It's a fundraiser. Whereas Louisville would spend $105,000 and get, you know, Oakland, who's 100 spots better in the you know, at the time, the RPI, which was used. Sure. And you, you do that three or four times. Sure, you're spending an extra quarter of a million dollars, $200,000, whatever it might be. But you've improved your RPI by 10 to 15 spots, and maybe you get a seat higher in the tournament. And 
at those schools, that was worth it. At Indiana, whether that was Tom's decision, whether that was the AD's decision, whether that was the associate AD, I don't know. But the bottom line was, is they were they were approaching scheduling differently. And, and by the way, Brian, um, Brian, just to to further your point, we know that it was it it, it wasn't just Tom's decision because what we talked to Mike Davis recently. And, and obviously, when Mike took over the program, he was in a much different situation. But he talked about what the budget, as he got kind of his feet under him a little bit, he talked about the budget for buy games, how little it was, and, and that there, there was just no way to go buy good non-conference games. Um, and so the way that like Mike— And I do want to make this clear. Yeah. That has changed. Right. That has changed. Uh, I, I talked about this last year on the podcast, yes. and, and people got a little— unfettered, so to speak, and ripped off some emails, that has changed. It's, it's one of the things that has changed. It's one of the progresses that Indiana has made. That's So great. I do want to make that clear. No, I'm glad you did. And by the way, I'm sorry if it caused you any stress, but I think that what you did last year, and I, we got inundated with messages, you provide us, and, and Rab Johns has done this too, this kind of peeling the onion back for us as fans. We don't most fans, Brian, don't know what a buy game is. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm a fan. I follow this stuff as closely as I can. I didn't really understand what that meant and that there's a difference between, like you said, a, let's just use Ken Palm now, buying a Ken Palm 300-ranked team versus buying a Ken Palm 92-ranked team. And and so we the insight that you give us is so valuable because it does give us the perspective and and I appreciate you kind of clarifying that that this is something that has changed can you give us a, a couple other examples of things that those other schools do that um that help set them up from the top down um you know Rob Johnson and I were talking about this you know offline so to speak um a few weeks ago when Dawson Garcia was deciding in just kind of different approaches, you can find quotes from take, take Xavier, a program that's been incredibly successful consistently over the course of the last two decades, you know, been to, I think seven second weekends of the NCAA tournament in 20 years or something. Like that. There's quotes from their athletic, the athletic director, the guy, you know, holding, you know, counting the beans, making the budget saying the Cintas center where they play is a constantly evolving project that they don't view as static, that they have to constantly update it every year to keep it as, you know, the forefront of their university. Did you ever, ever hear comments like that from Indiana 20, you know, over the last 20 years? No. Like, oh, we got to update this to assembly hall to make sure it's better, to make sure it's, you know, up to date, to make sure a beam doesn't fall out of the ceiling. No, no. <laughs> assembly hall was a cathedral. It was perfect. Nothing needed to be done. The locker rooms won championships while Bob Knight was there. And we talked about this last year. So nothing needed to be changed. Why would it have to be changed? We won before with that facility. Why can't we win in the future? That That is the attitude of a lot of people, both fans and people that were in the administration. So, so you know, like, it's just stuff like that. At Louisville, now, Tom Jurich, I don't know how he did it. You know, like, I don't know. But he built up their facilities to such a level that it's just absurd. Whereas Indiana built Cook Hall, and I appreciate that, but you know, then they didn't touch it for a decade or whatever it's been. And truthfully, Brian, they cut corners when they built Cook Hall too. There are really nice things yes. about Cook Hall, but there are also not so nice things about Cook Hall that they are fixing now. Yes. So it's like, you know, it, they didn't view it as this constantly updating constantly 
you know, improving part of their program that everything that comes around just beyond paying the head coach, beyond paying the assistant coaches, what you have to do on a day in day out basis. And I think Archie being at a school like Dayton, which really takes that to the highest level, like we need our basketball program. We're Dayton. We've never won an NCAA tournament. We, you know, haven't been to the, I don't know if they've ever been to the final four. I'm sure they have like back in 1962, their fans will be quick to remind you of that. But, you know, like, but they understood like in order to compete, we have to do this, this, and this. So they would. And I think that mindset was missing uh, at Indiana. And, and that's what's come around here recently. And that's why I think the future is bright for Indiana. Whether you whether you get Dawson Garcia this year or not, the reality is, is you have to continually put yourself in a position to be in the best possible place to succeed. And Indiana as an institution is starting to realize that. And, you know, Ohio State, Louisville, they've all realized that in the past. And they made constant improvements. I remember once uh, I'm, I'm sitting in Ohio State's coach's office, probably tell you how long ago Brandon Miller and I were talking. So he's an assistant <laughs> in Ohio State at the right. time. You can guess how long ago that was. And they had just built a practice like facility type thing, you know, different than Kakal was connected to the arena, like literally in the arena. And he tells me, oh, yeah, we're going to build another one. And I go, why? You just built this one like five years ago. He goes, because we can. Wow. F- football money. Yeah. I mean, and part of that's football money, you know, Big Ten money, whatever it may no, be. But it's, but a it's mindset. like it's a mindset. Yeah. It's the mindset of we know we're going to have to improve. So when you're and s- I don't think Indiana had that for a while. Right. So when when you're saying, oh, it's better now, uh, I think obviously you're talking about the whole mindset of the athletic department, obviously the men's program with Archie there. But we have heard, talked to, read about uh, President McRobbie not being the biggest supporter or believer and how important IU basketball, specifically sports in general, is for the university. Um, I think his his tenure may be coming up, but are you getting an impression that from his perspective or more from the the university proper's uh, perspective, a trustees maybe, that that's all headed in a better direction as well? I don't know necessarily to McRobbie's level. I'm, I'm just not, you know, Jeff would have a better idea of kind of the mindset that goes in there. But, you know, to the level below that, whether it's the athletic director, the board, whatever it may be, I think people have gotten to those people to understand what it takes and to understand the improvements that need to be made or, and and maybe not even that need to be made that are going to need to be made in the near future and to plan for that. So I do think from that perspective, people are starting to get on the same page. And I don't just mean basketball. I mean, football, um, you know, just athletics in general and what it takes to run the athletic department you want to run, you know, Obviously, Indiana's got a fantastic soccer program. My guess is, you know, if they didn't do anything to really help their soccer program at the ways that other schools were for 20 years, would they still have a fantastic soccer program in 20 years? The odds are that they would. And I think everyone's starting to understand that from an institutional level at Indiana. It's funny because Fred Glass comes under a lot of fire from Indiana fans because, let's just be honest, we haven't won in the major sports that we want to win in namely basketball, and then football's obviously well behind it as far as the attention it gets from from Indiana fans. But we just haven't won. So when you haven't won, you look for people to blame. And, and, and I think a lot of what you're talking about with the administration has been fair historically. 
I think Fred Glass, when you look at what he has done, say what you want about him, whether it's people reached him or he came to the conclusion himself, they have definitely been more aggressive in updating Cook Hall, finishing the you know yeah. the football stadium, building a new wrestling and volleyball facility that we we had the pleasure of going to that is gorgeous, very nice. They are clearly the baseball stadium got redone in the last five years, so things are happening on that level that do give you faith. The problem I think for Indiana fans, Brian, is that stuff takes time. Like you want to, yeah, it takes time and it takes money. Yeah. A lot of money. And you know, I'm, I'm not like you guys. I, I don't have a $5 million check to write every year, you know, just for fun. <laughs> but you know, like I, I can only imagine, you know, you can only hit up people for seven figure donations so often, right. no matter how rich you are. That's exactly right. So if you're working to get to, you know, get to par, if you, you know, you bogeyed your first four holes and you're trying to, you know, get back to par, boom, you get back to par. And then the other schools that were at par, now they're burning holes. Right. So now mm-hmm. you've got to come back even more. So I, I think that's the process that people don't understand is it, it takes time. It takes money. It takes commitment. And that's, that's a hard thing to do all at once. So, you know, the, the key is just making those progressive steps to get to the top of the line. And I think Indiana's starting to do that. Can you talk a little bit about how important we have heard a lot more than I ever thought I would ever read about, uh, about um, basketball player living quarters, that that has become such a focus of, you know, Indiana used to, I think the basketball players used to live in dorms like everybody else just till recently. And now mm-hmm. they've kind of moved them into these Evolve apartments that are very close to to Assembly Hall and Cook Hall. And that is where all the bas- basketball players live together. It's not a basketball player-only facility because there are rules against that. But I know other schools do have versions of that, like Kentucky. But how important is that for – I mean, is there a, a straight line to draw from that thing to getting recruits to come to your school? I mean, there's never a straight line from any one thing. It's a combination. But if you think about it, where is a basketball player going to spend the majority of their time? Where they live and the basketball facility. Yeah, and the bars. See, I'm thinking positive, and you got to bring alcohol into (laughs) these young men. They would never drink a beer. Sorry, man. We just, they are focused solely on sports. We, we were back in school. Blo- very much on school, too. That's we were, very key. We were back in Bloomington about a month ago and got to spend some time with Brian Evans and Tom Coverdale and George Leach and Jeff Newton, and the bar seemed pretty important. That's all I'm saying. Then and now. <laughs> yeah. The Tom Coverdale, I think he's got to be the all-time career beer strength leader in Indiana history. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to your point, it's, it's again, it, it does kind of all go to this mindset thing, that all of these things, the players only faci- player living only facility, the, the upgrading of the, fa- of the practice facilities, it all just is part of this mindset of we constantly have to be keeping up with the Joneses, if you will. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Indiana is still in catch-up mode. Yeah, and, and they're they're running faster than the other schools to catch up right now. It's just they have, you know, they started off behind. They'd been lapped a couple times. Yeah, I, rem- I can't remember exactly when this was. It was probably six, seven years ago. Kenny Johnson was an assistant in Indiana, just to give you the time frame. Went to an Indiana game, and after the game, he's like, hey, you know, meet up with me. And, like, we walk through the locker room. 
it was like this old, musty, like just pathetic excuse for a locker room. Now, obviously, that has since changed that whatever whatever that was no longer exists. Right. And if it exists, no one's been in it. But I was like, you guys have this as your game day locker room? He goes, yeah. And it was just stunning to me. Right. Like, you know, I guess they had put in new carpet since Bob Knight had left. But that was probably about it. And I was like thinking to myself, like, how do you like how did this happen? And that was probably seven years ago. So, you know, since that point, Indiana's made a lot of strides, but it just goes to show where Indiana was, you know, a school like Michigan State had like, you know, seven years ago had HD TVs everywhere and, you know, like whatever. And Indiana's got a smelly old locker room with like rotting wood lockers. Yeah. Hey, hey, a lot, lot of championships won in those oh, rotting there we lockers. Go. There we go. There's <laughs> that old school mentality. Okay. So let's let's get back to present day high school basketball featuring players that we want to come to play at Indiana University, 5 p.m. In the new locker rooms. In the new locker rooms. That's right. The good-smelling locker rooms. 5 p.m., Carmel versus Evansville writes, is there anybody uh, maybe on Evansville specifically that we should be thinking about and rooting for to come to Bloomington? Yeah, they got a decent point guard. Lander, I believe is his name. Christian Lander. Rings a bell. You know, he's a, yeah, five-star prospect, you know, Top top twenty twenty one in the state, one probably the best point guard in the country in his class. Indiana, Louisville, and to an extent Michigan are basically the only schools involved at this point. And and the good thing for Indiana and you know for that matter Louisville is Kentucky's already got a point guard. Um, North Carolina took two in this class; they're not taking one in twenty twenty one. Duke, that's likely not going to happen, and the kid's not going to Kansas. So you can kind of cross a lot of schools off the list. He's going to stay close to home, most like, almost assuredly. Um, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to Indiana and Louisville. And Indiana's done a fantastic job to this point. Little sidebar story. I was talking to another coach who was recruiting Christian in the past. And he said he was like, yeah, that kid was on a visit. We could tell he was going to Indiana. So mm. whether that coach really knows or just assumes or whatever, I don't know. But there's a lot of people that do think ultimately Christian ends up at Indiana. And, you know, he's a big-time, big-time player, big-time prospect, great kid, good family, the whole deal. And, you know, now it's just a matter of, you know, closing and, and all that. I think he's still months away from a decision. But he's as high a priority as it gets for Indiana in the class. And and he's the type of game-changing point guard that can really make a huge difference. And also I would say – Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's the type of game-changing, program-changing, uh, team-changing prospect that can affect Indiana because it's 2021. Like the same what you were talking yes. about with Romeo. If Christian Lander was the prospect for the 2018-2019 team, we likely instead of Romeo, we likely would have missed the tournament also. Yes, and you know the other thing is I tend to think Christian would be around for two years. Right. Whereas there was no doubt, no matter what Romeo was leaving after one, you know, Christian, I think you're going to get that second year out of him, And that that's also a huge difference. Is that a size thing or, 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 or as a point guard, do you just have to learn more nuance and, and get up to speed there's, with better athletes? There's more nuance, you know, he's got to get, you know, his body's not ready yet. Um, and just kind of, you know, right now it's a little bit more sizzle than substance with him, And I stress that as a little bit, um, 
but it's still kind of you're looking at him saying, man, once he gets a shot more consistent, once he gets his decision making a little more consistent, you know, it's just kind of one of those things you expect it kind of to come together maybe a, a year later. And, and that's perfectly fine. And I, I just think he's more on that path than on the one and done path. The, there was some talk, and, and I know that it's very unlikely, but there was some talk of reclassification with Christian to the 2020 uh, class. Is there any more buzz on that, or would you say that that's a bit of a pipe dream? I would say it's possible. I wouldn't say it's probable. I wouldn't say it's likely, but I would say it's possible. You know, he's a good student, so he'll, as long as he, you know, takes an extra English class or something like that, which shouldn't be a problem. I don't know that it's in his best interest to do it. Um, Typically, when guards like him who need a little bit more physical development, typically when they rush the process, it doesn't end well for them. Now that's not that's not an always thing. It's not a you know a, a rule. It, it's just kind of a you know some evidence in the past suggests it. But I would say it's possible Christian does it. I don't think it's probable, but you know that's something six months from now I think we'll have a better idea on. You know, right now it's just kind of about you know doing what you have to do classroom wise and, and continuing to develop your game, and then if the opportunity does present itself and his family decides that's in his best future. That's when it becomes under serious consideration, but right now it's not under serious consideration. Okay. One thing that that I'm always curious about, because obviously as fans we go nuts about official visits, unofficial visits, and we're like just dying to get updates after an official visit. How did it go? Was it a very good visit? Was it just a good visit? Was it? Did it move the needle? I mean, it's just it's all a bunch of bullshit, in my opinion. But I am curious. There have been a few times where a visit doesn't go well. And I know that that does not happen often because how the hell can you screw it up? But can you tell us how can you screw up? Like, well, with I mean, Kyrie Irving is the way you mess up. Well, that was different because that was Tom Cream (laughs) doing something crazy there. But, but I am curious. You know, you you talk about Lander really considering Louisville and Indiana. They're both going to do everything they can to land the kid. They're both going to roll out the red carpet. The official visits are going to treat him like a king, like they do for everybody. What is it that a school could do to either gain an advantage or lose an advantage from their perspective, from from what they can do? Not the kid just being more comfortable at a place. What is it tangibly that these schools could do to win or lose? Um, you know, typically when things go wrong, it, it's out of the coach's control. It's the kid didn't like the players or let's say it's a kid who doesn't smoke weed and then there's players on campus that are smoking weed. Um, it can be, you know, the player went out with his searching for female companionship and left the recruit to fend for himself <laughs> at night. Right. You know, like all that stuff can and does and has happened. Trust me. So uh, typically that's what happens. You know, it's another one. It's so funny, though, Brian, because, you know, we read about, oh, you know, they put together a great sizzle reel to show Christian. They broke down the film. Yeah, how Yogi Ferrell was, or whatever it may be, you know, how they used Rob Finnessy in year one as the point guard. Or they showed Dawson Garcia how Juwan Morgan was used. It's like, and in the end, it could come down to... Did the kid find a girl that he thought was hot on a Friday night in Bloomington? <laughs> that hey, it's undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think sometime when we're, you know, hanging out at Nick's, you're, you're going to have to tell us when you said, trust me, you have a few specific stories <laughs> that we're going to ask you to share. Uh, now, when when you're uh, when you're looking at um, somebody like Lander or or in this scenario of a, a really good or bad official visit, um, I do wonder what the other players that are on the team uh, potentially being recruited by the team, you know, it's like, we know that Trey and Anthony were trying to get Dawson to join them. How often do you see that being important? And in Christian's case, is he comfortable? Does he have a relationship with current players or other players like Trey and Anthony who are coming in next year? And how big a deal is that usually? Typically it's not that big a deal simply because players are not very good recruiters. Mm-hmm. It, typically, their conversations go like this. Hey, bro, come to Indiana or whatever school I'm committed to. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm feeling another school. All right, cool. You talked to that girl last night? <laughs> like, that's just kind of usually how it goes. Right. I mean, like, they're, they're not, they're not coaches. They're not trained to recruit, you know, right. now they'll all take credit say, Oh, I got so-and-so here. No, you didn't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, with that said, you know, some of these guys genuinely are friends. So, you know, just kind of that familiarity and that friendship does help. Like for instance, Christian Lander just spent three, you know, April through July basically with Anthony Leal and Trey Galloway and really enjoyed playing with them. Is that going to be an ultimate deciding factor? No, it's not. Uh, all right, let's move on to the 6.40 p.m. game where you have Silver Creek versus Fort Wayne, which uh, both good teams and both have just premier recruits that Indiana, as well as many schools, are after. For Silver Creek, we have Trey Kaufman, and for Fort Wayne Blackhawk, we have Caleb First. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Caleb First. Uh, where, what kind of player is he, and where does Indiana stand with him right now? You know, Caleb's a power forward center type, old school power forward, kind of new age stretch center. Uh, he He's really, he's a kid who his floor and his ceiling are really close to each other. You just know you're getting a good player. He's kind of someone as a freshman, you expect him to average like nine and five. And then as a senior, expect him to average like 12 and seven. But, you know, you add that up, that's a 1500 point score and 900 rebounds in his career or whatever it's going to be. Right. Uh, so that's the type of kid that, that Caleb first is. He can stretch the floor a little bit, but you know, he does most of his damage down low, good rebounder, you know, better athlete than people think runs the floor. Well, tough kid. And he's just really solid may never be an all league kid, but is going to be a four year player who you get something out of all four years and just a four year good player that you can really build a program with. Well, and of of the players here highlighting um, the Forum Tip-Off Classic in the home stretch, he's the one we really hear the least chatter about. Is that because Indiana's not as engaged, he's not as interested, or is it just that maybe he does have a, a lower ceiling than some of these other guys, so it's not as exciting? It's just where he is in, in his process. Um you know, everyone wants to like come to all these conclusions like, oh, Michigan State or Virginia or Purdue or Indiana, like Caleb and his father and, and to, you know, Caleb and his father's handling most of the recruitment. But, you know, the mom's very much involved as well. But I think she's more like, you know, go do what you want, honey. Whereas, you know, Caleb, Caleb and his dad are really going to be breaking it down 
from a basketball perspective, social perspective, everything like that. Um, they're just in no heart. They see no reason to worry about that right now. Um, sure, they went to Purdue's game against Virginia because they wanted to see Purdue play Virginia. And they're interested in both schools. You know, he went to the Indiana-Ohio State game last year. I know this because I was sitting next to them in a state of somewhat hungoverness. Um, <laughs> Wait, but be clear. You were in a state of hangoverness, not Caleb. Yes, they were not. They are much <laughs> better people than I am. And, and do Let's you, make that clear. And do you root for, you know, evil teams, even in the presence of, of Indiana fans? I was, I was rooting for that game not to go into overtime because <laughs> I was struggling. <laughs> That's what I was rooting for. Understood. I didn't care who won. I just cared that it didn't go another five minutes. Yeah. Just no overtime and no fouling at the end. Let's just get it done. Yeah, I, I was I was in a bad place at the end of the game. But, you know, like they, you know, they're considering Ohio State as well. So it's like, hey, let's go see Indiana and Ohio State. You know, let's go see Purdue and Virginia. You know, I'm sure it'll get up to Michigan State at some point. Um, they're just really in the beginning of the fact-finding stage. And until it's, you know, six months from now, five months from now, there's going to be no real movement. And then, you know, like it's just going to be Caleb, his mom, his dad, maybe his brother. Um, that's the only people that are going to be involved in that process at all. So, you know, there's just going to be less talk about it because he's moving slower and he's not moving slowly. He's just moving slower than maybe a kid like Christian who's really already kind of like at two schools, three schools, and no one else is really even talking to him. Caleb's got more going on, but he's just in no hurry and he wants to take stock of everything. And it's going to be a very process oriented decision in terms of we're looking for this in a school. How do we stack up, you know, school A, B and C in this? How do we stack up school A, B and C in category two? It's going to be a very scientific approach to making a college decision. And the team that he is playing against at the Forum Tip-Off Classic, Silver Creek, has Trey Kaufman, who has re whose game, it seems, has really just blown up over the last, let's call it, 18 months or so. Uh, what what are we looking at with Trey Kaufman? And clearly he's become a major priority for Indiana. What can you tell us about where he is at in his process? Yeah, you know, with, with Kaufman, he's a kid. You know, Indiana's really been all over for, for several months now. They offered him a team camp in June. His first high major offer was Xavier, I want to say, in April. So, you know, that's kind of the timeline it's been on. Um, he can score down low. He's getting better as an athlete. It's almost scary from a distance how much him and Trace Jackson Davis look alike. Now, their games aren't all that similar, but just physically, they even walk the same. It's it's frightening. Um, like, I, it, it, it's just creepy. Uh, but, you know, like, so that's kind of his game. And then in, in terms of his recruitment, it's, you know, he's 10 minutes from Louisville's campus. They're going to be involved till the end. He's already made a visit to Purdue. Um, he's got, he's been to Xavier in Cincinnati a couple times. Think he's going back to Xavier, um, soon. And then, you know, Indiana's, you know, he's been to Indiana before. Indiana's been to Silver Creek numerous times. Mom actually attended Indiana for a couple years. I don't, I don't know. She graduated college. I don't know if she graduated from Indiana. She's an educator. Um, so, you know, there, he, he's entertaining a lot of options, He's seeing what's what's out there. You know, Kentucky's been in. But Indiana's put themselves in a really good position, as good a position as they could hope to be in at this point in time. The, there's been some interesting chatter, and I think you've you've commented on this both on the Peaks message boards, maybe on Twitter, but on the Peaks message boards for sure, that even though Caleb and Trey's games are not that similar, like you said, 
Caleb is more of a guy who does his damage down low. He can stretch a little bit, but he's really a post player. And Trey is more of a guy who likes to get out in the perimeter and face up. That those two guys playing at the same college is not likely because regardless of how we view their games, they view their games a little bit more similarly. Is that still the case? Has yeah, there they, been any movement there? Yeah, they each view themselves as stretch power forwards at the college level. Now, whether I find that to be true or not, it's irrelevant. That's how they view themselves. And that's the role that they want to be recruited as. That's the role that they envision themselves at. And if someone someone's already at a school who you view as occupying the same spot on the court as you, you're not going to go there. Now, is there still some chance that they decide in the future, like, hey, you know, it'd be cool to play together? Yeah, sure. It's unlikely, but it's it's, it's not like they've said, I'm not going to school with that guy. It's right. just, I don't think right now they view it as this would be in my best future to go to the same school as, as him. And from their perspective, I totally understand why, because of how they view their games. And that's what, like, I think a lot of times fans be like, oh, but they could play together. Well, yeah, they could, but... They view themselves in this way, and that's all that matters. How anyone else views them doesn't matter. Sure. And and they view themselves as the same type of player. Okay, well, moving on to the 830 game, the headlining game. Last year, it was really special because uh, there was a lot at stake, and that's why those big-name coaches were there, seeing La Lumiere uh, with, uh, obviously, uh, <clears throat> Keon Brooks. Uh, and then the 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 beautiful, wonderful Center Grove team with Trace Jackson Davis, uh, who had already committed at that point. So it was fun to see. Now this year, the headlining game is Bloomington South versus Culver, and it's kind of like a victory lap for IU's recruitment of the two best players on those two teams. Could you talk a little bit about uh, Trey and Anthony's games and how you see them fitting into IU's roster next year? Yeah. Um, start off with, with Trey Galloway. The first thing that jumps off the page is his athleticism. He's a very athletic player. He's tough. He's a great defender. Um, and then he can also play on the ball a little bit as a point guard. Now that's not ultimately what his main role is going to be, but he's someone he can, he can kind of fit a multitude of, of different positions. He doesn't quite shoot it well enough to be like a true off guard, but you know, he shoot, he shoots it. He can make a shot. Um, he can guard any position in the backcourt. So it just gives him a lot of versatility. And I think you can put him next to an Armand Franklin, next to an Al Durham, and feel really comfortable because he's six foot five, you know, almost two hundred pounds. That that it, it's going to work. And I think he'll get on the court right away um, because defensively he's going to be as good as really probably anybody on the roster from day one. Wow. You know, Anthony Leal. He's going to he's going to provide shot making. And he is as hard a playing kid as there is in the country. He just, you know, like he runs around, he'll run through a wall. He'll, you know, it might not always be the most guided effort, but he's given the maximum effort all the time. And then he can make shots. And obviously Indiana doesn't exactly have a plethora of shot makers. So the ability to make shots will mean he better get on the court because he can make shots. Well, and with the, the, let's say the the lack of depth at the guard position positions this year and even you know two of our big guards are holdovers you know cream recruits um but what i'm seeing with rob last year and hopefully more this year at some point and armand already this year 
is the guards that that Archie is bringing in are are getting a lot of playing time right away. And and do you see that as as Archie as a former point guard himself knowing really what he wants uh, specifically in point guards and and Armand even running so much of it now I'm really excited to hear you think Trey could maybe be some backup point guard next year that it's just one of these things with Archie having to to take a little more time to get the roster as he wants it we should be excited about the future of the guard position moving forward even though it's been a real headache as of late yeah I mean I think he's up the level of the guard play of the guard recruiting and he's getting all sorts of solid guys that that really are going to produce over the course of their career hard playing kids tough kids that really fit his personality so much of recruiting is matching personality of coach to personality of player. Mm. And I think that's what Archie's done a really good job with. It's a lot of tough guys, play hard, smart kids that really are going to fit in with, with what Archie wants and demands out of his guards. Well, and have you seen what we have? And maybe you hear it a little bit more on the ground there behind the scenes. But it just seems like this team's starting to gel personality-wise. Like, compared to maybe last year where we didn't see a lot of chemistry or joy, we're seeing more of that on the court now. And is that, you know, is that a lot to do with Archie kind of recruiting his guys and understanding how they'll fit together? Yeah, and I I think... When, whenever you get a coaching change, that, that type of thing is going to happen. It's, you know, like Archie can say what he wants when he comes in, like I chose you. But at the end of the day, like Devontae Green didn't necessarily sign up to play for Archie Miller. And Jawan Morgan, for as great a kid as he is, he didn't sign up to play for Archie Miller. And then Romeo was – he knew he was only going to be there for one year. That's why this year – I last year I didn't think Indiana was going to be as good as people thought preseason – because I didn't see it working. I just didn't see the pieces fitting from a personality and game perspective. This year I thought it was going to be better than most people thought because I felt everyone was rowing the boat in the same direction Mm. and everyone was on the same page. And, you know, you get to the third year of a coach, you understand he's not changing. I better change. (laughs) Whereas, you know, Jawan Morgan as, as a senior, you know, Jawan's a great kid and he played for Indiana. He loved Indiana. But he wanted to be in the NBA. And the reality is Juwan was never going to be an NBA player. But he thought he should have been. So it's human nature when that happens to say, I'm going to play a little bit for Juwan Morgan. I mean, I don't even find that to be a negative. It's just human. It's just human. You know, Romeo Langford, quite honestly, if he could have gone to the NBA right out of high school, he would have. So is he going to be two feet in necessarily for Indiana? No, that doesn't mean he didn't play for his coaches, his teammates. It didn't mean he had a great time because he did. But there's still going to be that that voice in your head saying, why am I here not getting paid? Yeah, and I think it's also not even necessarily a conscious thing. You know, I think that no. it's just human nature. It's it's like you said, they're human beings. Juwan Morgan busted his ass on every play in every game and fought through injuries. Now, he did that because he loved playing the game and he was playing for Indiana, but also because he wants that to be his vocation in life. He -hmm. wants that to set himself up financially. And to do that, he needs to show off certain skills and he needs to be the primary guy. So it's just, like you said, that's not a negative. It's just what it is. And I think as fans, that's hard to reconcile sometimes, but but it's just the case. I I think people... 
I think where a lot of like the, the emotional fan attachment, you, you don't necessarily allow yourself to understand. And part of it is because you can never imagine putting yourself in the position of being an Indiana basketball player. Right. Like, you know, like you just never came close to that level as a fan 99.9% of the time. Hey, 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 so you don't back know what off, goes into back it. <laughs> off. Why are you insulting us so much? Just relax. All right. Yeah. I can draw some. Charges. I mean, clearly I was within a whisker of the NBA, <laughs> but um, like, you know, it's like, cause the way a normal fans in college is I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to get my job. Boom. It's, it's kind of a straight line process and you're focused and it, you can kind of do your own thing and still get your degree, whether it's journalism or making millions of dollars, running a podcast, things like that, <laughs> that the basketball players are doing like, Hey, I want to shoot more threes because I know I need to do that. Right. So it, it's just a little bit different. And I think as a fan, it's tough to like reconcile in your head because you don't think you would approach it that way. When in the reality is you probably approached your own college life in that same way, just not in front of 20,000 people. You know, Brian, something we did touch on uh, the last time we talked that is more relevant even today and something you deserve credit for here, very early on in Archie Miller's run, very early on, like I think in Archie's first few months where he hit the recruiting trail, you were very vocal about he's recruiting too many wings and forwards and not enough guards. And, and you got flack for it from the emotional Indiana fan who was just excited to be having people sign up to play for Archie Miller in Indiana. But now we're in a situation on this year's team, and granted, they're 8-0, and it was a really good performance against Florida State, and we'll see what this team has over the next month where we start playing you know, much tougher competition. But Rob Finnessy is out, and we don't really know when he's going to come back. And point guard play is just a real hole on this team. Armand has filled in as, as admirably as he can. He's not a point guard. That's not his natural position. No. Al Durham is not a division one power five point guard. That's not his natural position. And Devonte green is a two guard mentality through and through. He's just a scorer. So my question is, why don't we have a viable backup point guard? at Indiana University in year three of Archie Miller? I think it comes down to, and I think Archie would admit this, he he made a mistake. He was, you know, you got, there was all the big shiny toys in state. It was, you know, in the state. Now, Isaiah Stewart's not an Indiana, Indiana kid, but in the state at the same time, you had Keon Brooks, Isaiah Stewart, um, Trace Jackson Davis, you can go down the line. They, well, what are they? They're all these big kids. You know, Jerome Hunter comes in from out of state. You're not going to say no to Jerome Hunter. You know, Demise Anderson and and Aaron Henry and, you know, that whole decision-making process. And it's like, where were the guards? And you get so tied up in, well, we're recruiting all these really good players. Right. And I think that's what they did. And then they didn't quite get all the complementary pieces that were needed, especially with it being a guards game. You need more of them. If your center, if your center gets injured, guess what? You play small and you make them guard you. If your point guard gets injured, you can't put a center there and say, "Hey, we're gonna really bully ball them." That ain't gonna work. Right. So I think Archie made a mistake early in his career. I I I, I told him that. Um, said it on a message board. I've been very adamant about it. And now it's not an unrecoverable mistake. Obviously, you you can still make it work, but. They they just focused on good, talented players, which in general I'm all about. You know, get as many good players as you can and figure it out. 
But there, you have to have guards in basketball because that's how you create mismatches and that's how everything has to happen. So why don't they have it? I mean, pure and simple, it was a mistake. He, I, I think, you know, he can't admit that publicly because then he's trashing his own players. Right, of course. But that's that's the reality is he made a mistake. I think he knows that and he's trying to rectify that with how he's recruited. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was going to shift to... Geronimo. We've talked about Trey and Anthony and what they're going to bring to it. Um, unfortunately, Jordan is from out of state and won't be invited to the Forum Tip-Off Classic, but he still deserves some airtime here. What do you know about Jordan? He sort of seemed to come out of nowhere, and before we knew it, he'd signed up to be a Hoosier. So we'd love to hear uh, more about him from your perspective. Yeah, Jordan Geronimo, he, he's a player. He, he's an intriguing player. He's He's a forward. I don't know that he fits the small forward designation or the power forward designation, but he, he's a forward and he's athletic. He can make shots. Uh, he's got long arms. He's versatile. He's still putting together his game. It, you know, he's a late blooming type of kid who, you know, you'll watch him one half and he's the best player in the, in the gym. You watch him another half. You won't even know he's there, but you know, everyone's on a different developmental path. And Jordan Geronimo, he's gotten a lot better really quickly. He's still got a ways to go. But he's the kid, you know, late-blooming kid with a lot of physical tools to work with. Maybe he's not a big contributor year one, but he's someone you're hoping years two, three, and four, you're getting a really good player out of and someone who can who can play a multitude of positions. You know, if you need him to be a three, have him be a three. If you need him to be a four, have him be a four. And, and just be able to do a lot of different things things to help a team win, whether it's rebound, make shots, be athletic, defend, you know, straight line drives to the rim, has a lot of natural ability and has gotten better quickly, which typically is a marker of success in college. Is it fair to say that Jordan is the kind of player that we shouldn't expect a lot from his freshman year and he is more of a upperclassman developmental type? Or is he a guy that you see getting time on the court next year and making an impact? You know, as it stands right now, and this is without me seeing him as a senior or, you know, he's from New England, so senior can be a relative term. He might have been in high school for like seven years. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't really understand how high school works in New England. I always thought it was a four-year program, and it's somewhere <laughs> between a three- and seven-year program there. I don't know. Um, but, you know, without seeing him his senior year yet, um, it's tough for me to say because of how much better he's gotten in such a short period of time. Right. Is he staying on that steep trajectory path of improvement or is it kind of leveled off a little bit? I, I don't know. But let's assume he's not you know, going full Jackson Hayes and going from averaging one point a game as a junior to 15 as a senior to being a top three pick in the NBA draft um, as a freshman in college. L let's just pretend he's not doing that. Right. But um, – I would say, yeah, as a freshman year, you know, he's probably going to be in a developmental position, especially given Indiana's roster. But it's possible if he keeps getting better at the rate he's gotten better at over the last few months, that he's a kid who's going to be too good to keep off the court. Obviously, we're all heartbroken that it's not a four man class at this point. Um, but do your sources tell you that uh, Indiana is really focused one way or the other made a decision one way or another how how much they're going to try to get somebody else in on the next class and if they are interested where are they looking including transfer transfer portals and other prospects that are unsigned um 
as it stands right now, I think they would like to add someone else, maybe not even a fre- uh, a high school recruit, but just kind of a whether it's a, a transfer that's going to be a, a sit-out guy, whether it's a transfer that's going to be immediately eligible. I think they kind of say, you know, you see the need for one more body, but, you know, you're going to let that play out. The beautiful thing is, is they don't have to make that decision now. If the right kid reclassifies from 21 to 20, okay, we'll go after him. If the right you know, I hate to say it this way, but if the right coach gets fired and someone gets out of his letter of intent, right. okay, we'll go after him. Um, you know, if the right kid decides to transfer, go after him. And they have they have months to evaluate their roster, evaluate those players who might, you know, get another year of game tape on them when they find out. And, and the, so it's a process that's going to be ongoing. But yeah, like every staff in the country, Indiana's, you know, they're they're playing the game in 2000, we're about what, 2020, yeah. a few days from that. Um, you know, if you're not monitoring who you think might transfer, who you think might grad, grad transfer, you're being negligent. And Indiana's not their coaching staff's not being negligent. They know who the, you know, the kids that let's say the mid-major kid who's going to graduate because he redshirted as a sophomore. They who's really good right now. They know who that is. And I'm not saying you're tampering, but you're monitoring. You're 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 seeing what that situation is going to be. You're going to have that guy on your radar for when he does pop up in the transfer portal. You already have his phone number. You already know his mom's name. You already know his AU coach. You already know his high school coach, and who, who they are. So you can call them immediately mm-hmm. and let them know you're interested. And I, I would Indiana's doing that. Every school in the country should be doing that. If you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. One thing I wanted to uh, touch back on uh, Jordan Geronimo, something I found interesting during that recruitment, besides the speed of it, was that that recruitment really replaced the recruitment of Matt Cross, who ended up going to Miami. And it was no secret, mostly because we read it from you and and Rab Johns to some degree, but... Don't give stop giving Rab Johns credit. All right, fair enough, <laughs> Rabby, Rabby, I got your back, but Snow's killing you. It's just that's what's happening here. Um, that you, you you were really vocal about how much Archie Miller loved Matt Cross. That that maybe more than any other recruit that he's ever gone after, Matt Cross was his guy. Now, clearly, some things happened in Matt Cross's recruitment that made Matt Cross want to look elsewhere as well. But it did seem like the explosion of Jordan Geronimo lessened Archie's laser focus on Matt Cross. Is that fair, or am I just putting two things together that had no connection? I, I don't know that it lessened Archie's focus on Matt Cross, but what it did is, you know, it took someone who was going to be in Matt Cross's spot. And, you know, Archie loved Trey Galloway because of his toughness and his defense. He loved Matt Cross because of his toughness. But... He knew he was getting Galloway. Galloway didn't really try to hide it. Um, you know, only one staff didn't really know, and I'm going to leave. They weren't even one of his finalists, and I'll leave them out on that. Okay. Um, but everyone knew he was going to Indiana. It really wasn't a secret. And then, you know, when Geronimo committed, it's like, okay, well, we got our two kind of wings, wing forward types. It's, it's kind of hard to fit a third in, especially when you have 19 of them on the roster already. <laughs> um so it, I don't think it lessened Archie's focus, but you know, you snooze, you lose. It's you know, you right. You, you prioritize more than one guy for a reason because he's looking at other options as well. That said, I still think Matt Cross might need a restraining order from Archie Miller. I mean, it's just he <laughs> loved that kid. Um, you mentioned the coaching staff uh, a question back, and there is a new 
enormous assistant coach. He walked into the elevator when we were back in Bloomington, and it blocked out the sun. <laughs> um, Mike Roberts. And, you know, I'm just... Between the sheer intimidation he might offer walking into a recruit's living room, just just scare that person into coming to Bloomington. What time have you got to spend with Mike? What have you heard from uh, coaches, parents, uh, the Indiana staff about what Mike is bringing to the program, specifically from recruiting and obviously on the East Coast in that department, too? You know, Pig's message board meltdown notwithstanding um <laughs> after his hiring and we love you for it it's not a shot we we love you beaksters left and right it's just you all can be emotional at times oh, can be, um yeah yeah uh you know archie he did after quite honestly not doing very much research on ed Schilling, he did a ton of it on this open position and i don't i i didn't know mike very much personally in fact we had never spoken a word to each other. Um, we knew who each other were, but you know, we just had no relationship, which is fine. And I didn't, so I didn't know much about him, but I do know that people who worked with him, people who competed against him, both from a coaching and recruiting perspective, they, they had a lot of respect for him. And that got back to Archie. That was a huge deal for Archie was, you know, guys that have, you know, gone against him and said, Hey, that guy's really good. And, and that's why, he hired him. Now, do I think he would have hired him without Indiana connections? Probably not. But, you know, he also wasn't going to hire him just because he had Indiana connections. You know, that wasn't going to do him any good either. So it was a combination of things. And that's what I think Archie felt comfortable with is people have really recommended that this guy can really coach, that he works it on the recruiting trail. He's gotten players in the past, clearly not high major players because he wasn't at a high major school. That's kind of how it works. <laughs> um, that's like asking me to, you know, go out and get Rih a date with Rihanna. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and so, but you know, he, he, coach Roberts, so to speak, had gotten his share of dates at his level and <laughs> you know, he was successful. So, you, you know, and then he, he, of course, you know, it was tough for him to get a recruit in this class because he wasn't recruiting high major kids. But now he's going to have a chance to continue on the relationships that he's already established with coaches and in players in certain areas and, you know, even internationally where he's done a lot of work and try to be in the mix in the, in the 2021, 2022 classes to get, continue to bring kids to campus and, and land recruits for Indiana. Because if he had like game where he could get a girl to come back to his dumpy one bedroom apartment, now he's like inviting the ladies back to like a four and two with a swimming pool. So hopefully that game translates, right? I think we're going places we don't, don't want to go. I know. Sure. My God. I, I was looking at Ward like, what is he doing well, with this question? I was looking at Eric's face and then Ryan saying nothing. I'm like, I guess that missed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I if mean, you like have. The man's married. I don't want to get him in trouble. Not only that, but, like, we don't need a Me Too moment on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast. Guys, we have, we guys have... it was an analogy. <laughs> not one that I started, mind you. Not one that I started. Uh, I, I think, Brian, you could just sum it up. By, uh, yeah, sure. Just, yeah, whatever. That sounds good. But I do want to ask you. Edit that out, Ward. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> Hell no. Yeah, Hell no. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask about a guy that I know that Mike Roberts has been involved with and kind of brought to the table for Indiana. He's a 2021 kid who it does seem like where with Christian Lander, it is possible not 
not likely that he would reclassify. There seems to be more buzz about a point guard from North Carolina named Carter Witt, who does seem to be at least further down the road on considering a reclassification to 2020. And Mike Roberts has a connection there. What can you tell us about Carter Witt, the kind of player he is, and uh, Indiana's chances there? (laughs) I would tell you, Indiana fans would love Carter Witt. He is kind of the everything they hope and dream of in an Indiana player. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's a really good player. He, he's he's a tough kid. He's a really good passer. Like in terms of like a playmaker off the dribble he, he and making other people better, he, he's really, really good. Maybe, maybe the best in the 2021 class of doing that. Wow. Now, he's not a great shooter. Um, you know, some are going to typecast him as a great shooter for a very obvious reason. But he's not a great shooter. But he's a tough kid. He can really make plays. He's a solid athlete, pretty good size. You know, he gets unfair Ty Jerome comparisons because of, again, his uh, demographic. Yeah, I'll but, just say I'll just say it because a lot of our fans don't know. He's a white kid who plays basketball well. So everybody assumes yes. he's a 90% free throw shooter and a 50% three-point shooter. With and the, he's the with, next coming of Larry Bird. What, with a three-inch vertical jump. <laughs> yeah. And none of those things would actually apply to him. Okay. So... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's a good player. I think Indiana's in the mix, but when it's kind of this odd situation until, you know, kind of like Christian's a better player, Christian Landers is a better player, period. End of story. And he's a lot closer to your campus. So you're monitoring Carter Witt. You're kind of seeing where he is at. You're trying to do everything you can to make him feel like a priority while still having Christian Lander as a priority, because the odds are you're probably not going to get both. Well, that that is my. Um, I am so you're just trying to see where it's at, but you know, so you kind of have to do a balancing juggling act. But Indiana's in the mix with Carter Witt and kind of you know where Carter, you know, if he goes 2021, Virginia becomes a real option for him, and he's been there. He really likes it there. If he goes 2020, it's not an option. So that that's going to be interesting to see, and you know, so much of it is on Carter. I know he has some random connections to Indiana. I don't know what they are, but um. You know, is does he want to go away from home? Does he not? Is he comfortable on campus? Is he not? I mean, there's so many factors that are going to go into it. But Indiana is definitely one of the schools in the mix for him. But I am fascinated by this, Brian, because if he chooses to reclassify to 2020, if you're Indiana, does getting Carter Witt affect you negatively with recruiting Christian Lander? And it does. So it does. All right. So no, it's not a deal breaker. It's not a deal breaker. I get it. But when you're in a heavyweight fight and you're Indiana competing against Louisville, let's say, and maybe Michigan, but let's just say Louisville, who's now the number one team in the country, and he's got it, he's got it rolling there. How? I mean, it it just seems almost Ward's heart. I know. (laughs) Well, I I like it because usually I'm the one with the hatred. I like that Ward is making me seem like a bigger man, Um, but. How do you do this if you're Archie? Point guard is a problem for Indiana right now. Rob Finnessy will be on the team next year, but Rob Finnessy has now been at Indiana for about 40 games and been injured for about 20 of them. So I, I, it's a difficult thing. If you have a bird in the hand in 2020 of a really good point guard, but you have a program-changing recruit the year later, Brian, what do you do in that situation if you're Indiana? If you can get Carter Witt in 2020, do you take him? I mean, I'm not even saying this to be, like, sarcastic or arrogant or whatever. Like, the man's got the biggest office and makes the most money for a reason, to make tough decisions. Right. I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer, but it's the decision he has to make. And 
he's going to make it one way or another. Now he might get some help. Carter Witt might help him make that decision for him right. if he chooses to go to NC State or something. But it's a decision that Archie Miller ultimately has to make, and that's why he makes the most money. That's why he's got the biggest office. That's why he's got the fanciest suits. And you're paid moderately big money to make uh, to give us your opinion. So my question is, what decision would Archie make in that situation? My guess, my guess, and this is honestly, it's a guess. My guess is he's going to throw all the support behind Christian and say, let's go for it. Got it. That's my guess. Two, two other people I want to touch on for 2021, Brian, uh, real quickly. First one, uh, not playing in the Forum Tip-Off Classic, but but a big recruit in the northern part of the state, uh, Blake Wesley. Uh, what can you tell us about Blake? Uh, Indiana seems to have really turned up the the fire on his recruitment. What do you what do you think of him and Indiana's chances? Yeah, you know, he's a kid. They saw at their team camp, really, really liked him. Either they offered him at the camp or in the immediate aftermath of it. And he's an athletic guard. He's a big guard. He can be a little streaky with his shot. He plays on the ball, off the ball. But he's got a lot of long-term potential. Long arms, good athlete, you know, good size. And really has made a lot of strides with his game. In terms of his recruitment, you know, Purdue's going to be right in there. He's got a a trainer in South Bend who who went to Purdue, played at Purdue, something like that. I don't know. Um, And then obviously he's like minutes from Notre Dame's campus. They're going to be involved. He's talking about making a visit to Texas. Shaka Smart's as good a recruiting head coach as there is in the country. Xavier and Cincinnati are involved. You know, Michigan State, Michigan, the, you know, people are calling. Um, he's another kid. His dad's very much in control of his recruitment, doesn't want Blake rushing into anything. It's it's gonna be gonna be a process, gonna be a battle. Um, ultimately, Purdue and Indiana might be the two schools, along with Notre Dame, who are who are gonna have the best chance. But Again, this is a kid, you know, he didn't necessarily grow up saying who, 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 who is yours and wearing, you know, with candy stripes hanging in his room. So, you know, it's going to be a battle. But Indiana's done a good job. They put in a lot of effort. They put in a lot of work. He's comfortable. Demise says great things about Indiana. And, you know, he goes to the same high school that Demise Anderson went to. Ultimately, at the end of the day, how big a factor is that going to be? I don't know. But it doesn't hurt. So, you know, but they're in there. And it'll be interesting what direction it goes, but they're definitely in there. And then the last one, uh, which is going to be odd for what I'm about to say because of all the the talent that we talked about in the state, including Christian Lander and Trey Kaufman, but maybe the kid with the biggest upside and the best player that Indiana is recruiting, maybe, is this kid Trey Patterson from New Jersey that I've read about, watched some highlights of, but clearly I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I've just read about him, and, and I know the staff is You've proven that over and over. <laughs> proven that over. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> just crushing. Yeah, you set him up for that one. The uh, sultan yeah. of sarcasm. There he was. Just right. Actually, that wasn't even sarcasm, really. No, that was that just, was just you're an that idiot. Was, that was just a cut. Fact. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was just straightforward insult. Um what what do you know about Trey Patterson and what can you tell us there? Um, really talented kid, kind of a combo forward, kind of the new age power forward. Now you don't tell Trey Patterson that because power forward's a dirty term to a lot of recruits. <laughs> I got bad news for you. You're going to play power forward. Right. But again, you say new age forward, play on the perimeter, blah, 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 blah. Um, athletic, long arms, skilled, you know, pretty good rebounder, can do a lot of different things. Very, very versatile. So he, he's a really talented kid from New Jersey. 
Plays for the same AAU program that uh, Brian Antoine, who's a freshman at Villanova, played for, and Scotty Lewis, who's a freshman at Florida, played for. He already made an official visit to Florida along with Indiana. Um, Florida's going to be a factor. I can promise you that. Um, Indiana, you know, obviously he made a visit there. They're going to be a factor. Um, I would expect UConn to really be in deep there. Xavier's made a lot of good inroads there. Uh, you know, then you're, you're going to have kind of, you know, the Syracuse is trying to dip in and, and the Georgetowns and, and your typical East Coast schools in that regard. So Villanova, you know, like my guess is if Villanova pushes, they're going to end up being the team to beat. But – and. I don't know if you're scoring at home. They've won a few national titles recently. They got a pretty good sell. It's going well. Yeah, it's gone fairly well for them recently. Um, so I think Villanova is going to be a major, major factor there. But, you know, the fact that the kid did make his first official visit to Indiana was genuinely interested in Indiana. Uh, it, it says that, you know, Indiana is going to be in the mix. Now, ultimately, I think that's going to be a tougher one to get just because of location and the fact that, you know, Villanova seems to really want him and, you know, like, how do you negatively recruit against Villanova right now? Right. I don't know. Jay Wright uh, is, is too well-dressed. You don't want to be around yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you don't want to be around a guy whose suits are that well-fitting. Yeah, the coach Make shouldn't look be cooler bad. than you. The coach <laughs> shouldn't be a cooler dresser than you. That's how I would negatively recruit. Yeah. And it might work. Yeah. you got to try all angles. So I, I think he, he'll be a tough pull for Indiana, but they're, they're certainly one of the schools right there. And, you know, maybe Villanova gets another kid or he decides, you know what, I've been on the East Coast my whole life. I don't like the Atlantic Ocean. Let me go to Bloomington, Indiana. You know, you never know. Recruiting's weird. Okay. So, but he's in the mix. Before before we get to talking just about this year's Indiana team, can you just tell people where to go to get tickets to the Southport uh, event, the Forum Tip-Off Classic? Before they all check out. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are available at numerous schools. Uh you can call a school, you know, first, certainly Southport's got tickets, Southport, Silver Creek, Heritage Hills, um, Carmel, Does, Evansville Rights. They're all selling tickets. Is Bloomington and then also South? online, we're using Pay2K. Okay. And uh, the address for that is both on the Facebook page. All you have to do is search Forum Tip-Off Classic and the uh, Twitter account, which is at Forum Tip-Off. And there will be a link right there for you to uh, know where to purchase tickets. And uh, tickets are already in demand, believe it or not, I, shockingly. I, Even without you two showing up this year, well, people yeah, I, still want to go. I would imagine. I know that's shocking. I would imagine that that is what would create the demand. Yeah, we, there's no chance they would run into us. So you, <laughs> that is the one place in the world on December 14th that you know you will not run into two idiots from Los Angeles's garage, the Forum Tip-Off Classic at Southport. It's a safe haven. Safe. It's a sanctuary. It is sanctuary city. Well, and and actually, before we get to uh, the current IU team. Something Eric brought up that we did with Rabbi that we should do with you to see if you can do it as well as Rabbi did oh, it because he did it really well. Laid down is what's what's a typical day in the life of Brian Snow? I have a long commute from my bed to my couch. It's <laughs> roughly thirteen steps. Typically, I uh, set the alarm for between eight and eight thirty. Oh, and I get up. Yeah, not believe bad. It or not. not bad. Yeah. Now, if I don't set the alarm, I'm sleeping till noon. Let's make that clear. <laughs> but, you know, between 8 and 8.30, I set an alarm. I, I get up. I try to get a story out right away that sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. It's important to check fantasy football. I can't can't not do that. Oh, yes. Yeah, Thursday. Uh, I got to set my lineup. 
Yeah, you better be on your game. Playoff time, Ward. Playoff time. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, then it's a lot of phone calls, emails, stuff, you know, catching up with with sources. Ooh, I sound important. I've got sources. Yeah. Catching up with sources during the day. And then uh, in the evening, you know, you might, if you need to get an interview with a kid to write a story, you do that. Um, deal with crazy parents, uh, whatever it may be. And then at night, you know, I'm watching basketball. During the season, I'm usually at games or watching college basketball on the uh, on the beautiful HD television. Um, and then also catching up if I need to get an interview, get qu- quotes transcribed, things like that. So that's kind of the day in the life of B. Snow. It's not really exciting. What, what do you find is better for you to analyze um, and, and break down games happening today? Is it in person? Do you, do you like being able to see everything? Or is watching on television, does that give you a, a better sense of things? What, what's the best tool for you? For high school, it's definitely in person. Definitely. Uh, for college, it is definitely on the TV. Because, again, with all due respect to the loyal fans of every school that pay my salary, y'all say some wild stuff during games. <laughs> And I'm not the most patient man. <laughs> so I would say, you know, for college games, I, I enjoy the television. Got it. Um, so let's talk about uh, the games that you've watched for our beloved Indiana Hoosiers this year. We're, we are taping this. Let's just make this clear. We're, we're taping this podcast, recording it on Thursday, two days after we played Florida State and won that game, and obviously the biggest game of the year to this point for Indiana, but before... Oh, we. How many points did you score? Yeah, we, man. We. All right? That's how we I've roll. I've given my how blood... How many points did you get? Hey, listen, listen, listen. You you can say that points are the... Uh, or minutes played are the only way that I could say we, but I will tell you that blood, sweat, tears, and money <laughs> give me the right to say we until the day I die. <laughs> Okay, and look, and if you're scoring by obscenities, I'm Indiana's all-time leading scorer. <laughs> so, it was hey, a, we all have to be the best at something. That's right. Oh God, man, this guy's rough. So we uh, we beat Florida State. We're eight zero. We do have a game against Wisconsin coming up. Yeah, we're this is two days before we beat Wisconsin. Yes, right before we beat Wisconsin. But, Wisconsin. but once this is on the air, we will have beaten Wisconsin. So, what do you see from this Indiana team so far? Has it met what you had already described as kind of higher expectations for this team than most? Uh, and, and what do you see moving forward? Honestly, it's been t- tough to tell because uh, the the early season schedule was, shall we say, manageable. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, it's been a little bit difficult to tell. Uh, but I think the Florida State game was a good indicator of what to expect from this team. That doesn't mean they're going to win every game over a top 25 team by 20 or 15 or whatever the heck they won by ultimately. But you saw some problems with the guard play when Florida State was pressing and Indiana decided to like, hey, I don't know what color jersey we're wearing right now. So I'm just going to throw the ball. Um, that resulted in turnovers. That I think that's going to be a problem all year. Um, you saw when Devonte Green is in in what is a cheat code mode or whatever the heck it was described as. Green that light, Indiana's green light. Really <laughs> tough to beat. Um, you saw that down low, Trace Jackson Davis, Joey Brunk, they can they can handle a good front line. Justin Smith's improved. Um, some of the other flaws is they didn't shoot the ball great outside of Devonte being you know on another level, and 
people, I, I want to make this clear. I think Devontae Green's going to have a very good senior season. He's not going to average 30 a game. Right. <laughs> so you have to realize this is kind of one of those outlier games for him. When he comes back down to earth a little bit, everything becomes a little bit tougher. Uh, but I think you saw some of the things that this team, some of the identities of this team, both good and bad, is Devontae can always get a bucket. They're going to struggle with pressure and turnovers at times due to guard play. They're going to have, be a good rebounding team because of Joey and Trace and Justin Smith. Um, I, I think you've seen some markers of what this team's going to be, both from a good and bad perspective. Would you like to take a moment here to uh, bask in the glory of having been the person really banging the drum for Armand Franklin? And he he really came across beyond his years in that game. Yeah, the fact that Rab Johns is trying to take credit for some sort of Armand Franklin evaluation is absurd. I thought he gave that credit Patently to you. absurd. Is that is that not true? Rabbi was taking it. I thought no, he actually he tries was giving to it to you. Rise and steal. <laughs> no, unbelievably, Rab Johns is like I scouted that kid midway through his senior year, and I knew he'd be good. Some of us starting his junior year were really saying this is a high major kid. He checks a lot of boxes. The thing with Armand Franklin was always he's been around colleges athletics his whole life. His mom, you know, was involved at Notre Dame, uh, and he's a high character kid. He knows what it takes, hard worker. Just every box you check of the intangibles, he does. And then he has enough tangibles where as well, it's like, okay, he might never be all league, but he's going to be a good player. And I, I really stuck with him. He had, a, he had a tough spring last year and people were questioning it. Um, I think he sprained his ankle or a bone bruise or some crap like that. I don't know. Um, and it affected him longer than I think he thought it would affect him. And some people jumped off the bandwagon, but not the snowman. I was on <laughs> it. And Rap John's just... You know, Rab Johns, you know, he didn't know what to think. He didn't know what to do. So he, he wrote good things, you know, to, to try to curry favor. But I don't know that he truly believed it. But old Snow, the veteran, the savvy one, the, the professional, he was right the whole time. You know, you didn't come to our event this year, which I'm still personally insulted by. But would you consider next year's event doing a celebrity boxing match with you and Rabbi <laughs> at our event? I think that we could make some real money with that fight. That's great. But wait, I it, mean, it's only going to last one round. Who's going to win? Oh, that's a terrible question. <laughs> I would kill him. <laughs> I, th I think that'll be first of all, he's like 70 years old. <laughs> he's like 70 years old. Luck. He, he's soft. He's from the Washington, D.C. area. I'm from Cincinnati. I was born with toughness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah. have any of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm also I'm quicker. I'm nimble. See, I'm not unathletic. I'm fat. He's both. <laughs> There's a big difference. I see. Uh, I think it's going to be predicated on who spends more time at the bar before getting into the ring. Look, man, I've been at the bar with Rabbi. I I'm just saying the guy. The guy, the guy knows what he's doing at a bar. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll give Rabbi credit. He, he's a bit more professional. He's, he's a higher level pro than me. Okay. Now I'm not gonna say he's Bob Huggins, a max contract guy <laughs> at the bar, <laughs> but he's kind of like the level just below that. Um, and I'm more, you know, I'm more like, I don't know, like. You know, a mid-level exception type of guy. <laughs> Not a, a veteran's exception, maybe? A veteran's exemption rule? Yeah, veter veteran mid-level guy. You know, I've been known to throw a few back. Although, story time. So last year before the Ohio State game, uh, Indiana, the night before, me and a couple of friends were in town. You forget 
how cheap it is to drink at a college bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that got really dangerous for me. And I have a bad habit of, you know, just throwing my credit card down. And if you're in my eyesight, you're on my tab. That's basically how that goes. And then you add like a college bar to it. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm doing like triples of Tito's at, <laughs> at uh, I think it was Kilroy's for like $3 yeah. or something. I was going to say six that hours later, a, 40 that. drinks and a dollar 82 and you are three sheets to the wind. Yeah, it was it was ugly at about one in the morning. It was it was not a pretty sight. Hence the reason you wanting the game the next day to not go into overtime. Facts. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So back to the game for a second against Florida State. One thing that I did think was interesting. I'm I'm bringing it back to Armon. I actually thought this was a. I, I call it a ballsy move, but but I think it was pretty evident what needed to happen. But Archie made a big decision at the end of that game with about five minutes left. Al Durham was just struggling. I mean, he could not hold the ball. He could not pass the ball. He could not dribble it. And they benched him and went with the freshman who had played seven games at Division I college basketball level, Armand, who's not a natural point guard. And they just trusted him for the rest of the game. And it did settle things down. Armand did not turn the ball over in those last five minutes. They were picking him up at 90 feet. Uh, it was an impressive performance from a guy uh, who I think has exceeded overall expectations, unless they're the expectations of the snowman, of course. Uh, you know, he's someone he built. He got trust from Archie really early on, which is hard for a freshman to do, especially for Archie, who is a point guard who demands a lot out of guards. But he, you know, his work ethic, his his desire, his focus, his intelligence. He deserved that. He earned that trust early on from Archie. And I don't think anyone necessarily knows what freshmen can earn trust as quickly as Armand did. And I think that's something that really came to it. So um, that was, you know, that that's a reason Archie felt comfortable enough to put him in that position in a, in a late game, in a somewhat close game, in an important game this early in his career. Uh, by the way, shout out to India Franklin, Armand's mom. She, we, we, we had the pleasure of interviewing Armand and his mom together before he uh, showed up at Indiana, and she's she's amazing. And and you can see where Armand gets his toughness and his savvy from because uh, great, Indi- great lady, great lady, incredible. I, I need to see Armand smile and see if it lights up a room the same way his mother's does. That's true. She has a smile ear to ear. No. It's not going to. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Um, Have you been surprised by, again, I know it's hard because of the competition level at at seven games, but at Trace Jackson Davis's consistency over his first eight games? Yeah, I've been a little surprised. Um, I thought he would, I didn't, you know, again, like some of the numbers are fraudulent. Let's call it what it is. He's not like a 20 and 10 guy like he showed in five or six of the games. The thing I'm not surprised by with Trace is the fact that he's rebounding. You know, rebounding is the most transferable skill in basketball. If you can rebound in high school, you can rebound in college. If you can rebound in college, you can rebound in the NBA. It's just the way it is. It's been proven time after time. And so I knew he'd rebound well. I just didn't think he would have this level of offensive production. I thought he'd struggle to finish more over length and around the, the rim and traffic. But he's done a really good job of finishing and, and converting. And he shot free throws fairly well, I think. I didn't watch all the games because I'm not going to watch Southeast Missouri Tech State a and I'm just not going to do it. So, But the fact that he's been that consistent has been a plus, and, and he's exceeded my expectations a little bit for sure. Looking at the season going ahead, we're, we're all getting excited because we look at Ken Palm and Sagarin and all that good stuff, and we're, we're 
we're ranked in the top 25 now as far as those those uh, metrics go. Um, and, and it's hard for the average friend because 8-0 is 8-0 after winning against a really good team. But we haven't even left Bloomington yet. So with the limited amount of viewing you've done of Indiana basketball, have you adjusted at all what you think your projections are for this team? Do you, do you think we're going to make the tournament? you think we're going to stay ranked? Or should we just sort of temper expectations based off of this, uh, what did you say, sort of a, a, a asterisk? in front of you know the season up to this point well i do know with with indiana fans rational rationalizing is probably not even worth the effort <laughs> don't um, don't you know, know the you, word <laughs> yeah you play one bad half against a a bye team that you're up by 25 against you only win by 16 and it, these kids aren't valuing their opportunity to wear an indiana jersey enough <laughs> <laughs> Then you you beat Florida State by 15. We're never losing again. We're hanging a banner. Like, probably somewhere in between those two things. So, yeah, I'm not going to try to talk anyone off of a ledge or onto a ledge or whatever I'd have to do. I'm I'm just not going to do that. But I would say, generally speaking, this is where I expected this team to be. Now, the the test is going to be going forward. You start Big Ten play. You you got UConn, who I think is a really good team. They played one terrible half all season, and people are hanging on to that against St. Joe's. But I saw UConn in person in Charleston. They're good. They play hard as hell. So I think you know you're going to learn a lot more over the next three weeks. But in terms of what I thought, yeah, they're about where I thought they'd be at this point in time. Yeah, I mean the Big Ten looks pretty terrifying now if you're s- scrolling through Ken Palm, whereas everybody thought maybe it'd be a bit of a down season based on. Uh, compared to last season. Uh, well, what you have in the Big Ten is you got about four or five teams who are really good. Then you have like four or five that are just horrendous. So th- there, there's some wins to be gotten there. Um, but there's some losses to be taken as well. It's not as deep, you know, one through eight, nine, ten like it was last year, got which it. I think is going to help in Indiana because it doesn't hurt you to lose to Ohio State or hurt you to lose to, you know, Michigan uh, what what hurts you is when you're playing you know ten tough game ten teams in a row that are all tough. Well, instead this year you have virtual bye games against um, Nebraska, against um, Northwestern. Uh, Minnesota looks horrible. Wisconsin looks eminently beatable. Who I have in a Peaks Roto League for the record. Um, <laughs> So I, I think it's it's not as challenging as it was last year, but what you have is a few really good teams at the top. Got it. Got it. Should we be terrified long-term of Nebraska because Fred Hoiberg's there? I'm going to say no. Great. But I think he'll do a good job. I just, you know, it's still Nebraska. There's there's a ceiling at Nebraska. There really is. Okay. I know they I know they have nice facilities, but uh, it's just one of those things. They have great facilities. It's unbelievable. You know, you're but it's at, still in Lincoln, Nebraska, which isn't close to a whole heck of a lot. Good point. Good point. So uh, I want to get back to something you talked about earlier on when we were talking about the job that Chris Mack and Chris Holtman have done and how it's fair to compare Archie against them because they both they all came in about in the same time. Mack's got one less year. Um, and we talked about how they both inherited situations that were, were just better than Indiana's. How would you grade Archie's performance for what he walked into, where we are in year three, versus what those guys are doing? Again, it, it's it's a fair comparison in that they were hired at the same time. They came from similar institutions. 
um, to similar institutions. That's fair. Now, you, every situation you inherit is different. Um, I think Archie's done a he's done a solid job. I I don't I'm not gonna sit here and tell you oh a plus job by Archie. I'm not gonna do it. I I don't believe that to be true. I would say he's been a solid B in terms of his building of the program, in terms of on court success, in terms of recruiting success, in terms of everything that comes with it. I I think it's been solid. I do not think it's been great. The next the the next step is for Archie to go from solid to great, which I think he's more than capable of doing. Um. What'll be interesting for me is, you know, I think Holtman's kind of built the most sustainable of the three so far. You look at this year, Louisville, their number one team in the country, their best player, Jordan Moore, is definitely going pro. Then they start like three other seniors. They're losing 85, 90% of their production following this year. Mm-hmm. What are they going to look like next year? I don't know. So is it possible that next year Archie's in a better position than Chris is? It's very possible. Uh, whereas Ohio state, I think what they have on their roster, sure. They're going to lose both Wessons most likely, but they've got a good recruiting class. That's going to be sophomore. That's already making a productive, you know, strides. They, their soft current sophomore class has proven to be pretty good. Um, so I think Holtman's got the most sustainable of the three right now, but you know, there's time to tell on who's going to end up having the best career of the three of them. And I think Archie's been solid to this point. Now the question is, can he raise it even another level? Uh, fair enough. All right, uh, give me one second here, Brian. You just gotta do something here. I will not. You gotta give me a second <laughs> because hold on, I gotta see if I can make this work. Gee, it looks like I'm watching Eric on his computer here, and he's just dialing another number. Who? I wonder who he's calling. I am gonna try to bring one more guy into this call. This is just totally unexpected. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not Dan Dockich. Hello. Oh, is that Jeff Rabjohns? This is he. What's going on, gents? I do not. I (laughs) I just put on the same podcast as a peasant like Rabjohns. Wait, (laughs) do we have Brian Snow and Jeff Rabjohns on the same phone call? It sounds that way. (laughs) So, Rabby, we've been talking to the snowman for the last couple hours, and this guy has been busting your balls hardcore. Well, first of all, I'm sorry that you had to spend that much time with him. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure what you did to get that sentence. Uh, I hope you get out of jail shortly. Uh, second of all, uh, you know, the, the snowman just, you know, you know, he likes he likes to talk and entertain himself, even though, you know, when he talks about others, sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's just things in his imagination. So we, 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 can, we can happily dive into anything that he has, uh, you know, manufactured in what I believe is a brain. I'm not, still not too sure. He's got something up there, but you know, I think it just basically controls eyeballs and physical. Hey, listen, Rad, really Jones, I barely graduated from Ohio State. I barely graduated. <laughs> don't don't hate. Well, look, let's just let's just get to let's cut to the chase, Rabbi. We. You came to our event this year, which we greatly appreciated. That was really cool. Brian Snow decided to stiff us and not come. Not cool, but. He did say that next year at our event, we may do a celebrity boxing match between Brian Snow and Jeff Rabjohns, and he said that he would smoke you in one round. What do you have to say to that? Well, to be fair, I said we only have the stamina for one round. So that's all that's going to last. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to agree with him on the fact that both of us would only have stamina for one round. <laughs> um the ability for either of us to do a strenuous physical activity for longer than that, 
I'm going to put in the highly questionable uh, category. <laughs> now, as far as who would actually win, I don't know that winning would actually be the word I would use. Uh, one of us may be the last person abil- have the ability to stand up on their feet. That might be how you decide, you know, okay, the other guy's done. But I don't know that anybody would actually want to see that. You know who would win in that uh, I'm fight? I'm not too sure that would be a selling point for your event. I'm not hey, sure, man. these two guys. They're going to punch at each other. You know? I'm not sure. I'm telling you that if you're asking who's going to win in a fight between Brian Snow and Jeff Rabjohns, I'm going to tell you the fans. The people. The people win. We're going to mic you guys up for it so we can hear you talking uh, shit while you battle well, you it know, out. Okay, that would be very entertaining. <laughs> Rabbi. That, 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 that might be more entertaining than, holy cow, that guy takes three seconds to, 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 to throw an actual punch. But, <laughs> although the only thing I'll say is that I actually had to box in high school, so I actually have a couple ideas of how you're, what you're Ooh. supposed to do. So I'm, ta- I'm taking Rabbi over Brian Snow. Whoa, Snow? First of all, Rabbi, you I'm were in high school it, 45 five years ago. <laughs> Wait, Snow, say that again. Rab Johns, you were in high school 45 years ago. There's no way you remember anything. You know how much beer you've drank since then? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I, I think I would win. I just, you know, a guy who actually has been in a ring before over a guy who, you know, just, you know, wandered around Columbus, Ohio going, hey, you know, where's the next beer coming from? I'm, I'm taking Rab Johns. Well, well, speaking of beers, Brian did give you full credit at being able to take him out at the bar after the match or before the match for that matter. I'm under no, uh, no delusion of who's better there. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, you, when the, 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 there are moments when it's like, you know, you are at a five-star level <laughs> and I just like bow down. <laughs> Those moments are fleeting. You live at the five-star level. I'm not saying you're a max contract, Bob Huggins guy, but at the bar, I'll, I'll I'll give you your props. I will. Now, yeah, those yeah. those moments are like they're starting to be fleeting as well, though. You know, <laughs> so there's a point at which you know you just get like, yeah, that was fun, and not too sure anymore. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say when we were back in Bloomington and Eric was ready to call it a night when we were going from Nick's to upstairs, Rabbi gave him a speech that would have made Newt Rockney cry. It was so inspiring <laughs> that, that I've never seen Eric being talked out of going home early, and that did it. Well, that was one of those moments, you know, that was the first time I got a chance to actually hang out with you guys, and I know Eric had a long day. I understood that, but, you know, sometimes the game goes into overtime and you can't just say I'm tired. I don't care if you had to get up early. I don't care if it's been a long day. You're here with your brothers. They put in the time too. Then let's go. You're not going home. You're not quitting. Um, Yeah. There were a few people there on the streets of Bloomington who looked at this like, What's going on? Why's that guy yelling at that guy? Yeah, but they were so motivated, they joined us. Yep, just made the party bigger. So, before we let you go... <laughs> there before... were some people who, yes, yes. It was a little bizarre when people are like, man, well, those guys are having fun. We're going where they're going. Yeah, it was, like, <laughs> it was like Rocky in the streets of Philadelphia. He starts running to the steps, and he's just joined by the citizens of the city. Uh, Rabbi, a, a real point of contention, though, here is the snowman is taking sure. full credit for saying Armand Franklin was going to be a good basketball player and is saying that you are trying to take credit for his prognostication. What say you? No, that's not true at all. He, he, he said it first and or earliest. I can't remember exactly when it was. I believe it was first game 
junior year, I believe he'll correct me if I'm wrong, or he'll make up a story that he likes better. One of the two, <laughs> but no, he actually was the first one to say it. But my point was simply that I watched him also. And I came to my own organic conclusion. Yeah. Armand's going to be really good. And there were times I saw him in high school. There were times I saw him in AAU, even though he was, he had a little leg issue that kind of hampered his shot. Um, there were so many things that he did on the basketball floor that were, you looked at and went, okay, that translates. Okay, that translates. He could defend, he could pass, he could defend multiple positions. He had really good size and length for the position. Um, other other little things that you watched. But yeah, I, I give Brian Snow credit. He was the first one that I recall saying, um, you know, definitively, this guy's a clear high major guy. Other than, um, we, we, you know, Snow and I could both talk about Joe McDee. And he knows who I'm talking about. And Joe McDee, uh, who's, I think he's 813 years old now. Um, and if, if, if Joe McDee is listening, he will laugh at that and then just shake his head. And then he'll tell all his friends, Bradley made a joke about me on the podcast. I don't know what's going on with him. And then he made fun of my voice. Um, but Joe McDee's a great guy. But uh, and Snow knows this. Joe McDee was the first guy running around Indy when Armand was a sophomore. Believe it, Fishers at high school at that time, telling everybody, "Hey, this kid Armand Franklin, he's going to be pretty good." So I give Joe McPhee props, and I give Brian Snow props. I give both of them props on that. Yes, they both said it definitively before I did. I, I give credit where credit is due, and then they deserve credit. Brian, does that does that feel good? I mean, it's it's still he he plagiarized. He stole. He tried to take credit for himself. And, and I'm not letting any hollow apologies or, you know, like sh- shade what he's done in the past. All right. Well, listen, let's end on a positive. Well, by the way, I, I, I love, Snow, I love your tweet. And then so did Armand Franklin's mom that, that you were going to, I think you said something about you were going to sue me for stealing your opinion. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people on Twitter, I, I, I retweeted it because I was, that, was, that was funny. I mean, that was a really good line. That was a great tweet. And, and a lot of people, Some people liked thought it, I was serious. By the way. Mom. <laughs> well, yeah, we're uh, irrational Indiana fans. Of course we think you're serious. Um, <laughs> Rabbi, on a serious note, we have been talking to the snowman about the forum tip-off classic that's happening on December 14th at Southport High School. Can you, I know you were there last year and you've gone in the past. Can you just tell our viewer, our listeners, how incredible that event is? And, and, and even though it is snow that we have to give credit for it for this, that it is worth any basketball fans time to, to go to Southport on December 14th and check this event out. It is a phenomenal event, and in a lot of places, the tickets probably would be 30 or 40 bucks, considering how many games you're going to get to see and who you're going to get to see. Uh, there is a Big Ten uh, commit or prospect in every game, and you're going to get to see so many of them uh, in one day at Southport High School. I think most people have been to Southport High School before, but it's a great setting, 6,000-plus uh, seats, somewhere in that ballpark, beautiful bowl round setting. Um, you can go in and out with your ticket, you know, Anthony Leal, Trey Galloway, Caleb first, um, all those kind of guys uh, you're going to get to see uh, in, in one day. Don't and forget, the great thing don't is, forget Lander and Kaufman. Yeah. Christian Lander, Trey Kaufman. Um, there's so many players that are either IU commits or that I used looking at that you get to see in one day. And the other great thing is, 
you get to see really good teams go head to head and you get to see players match up against somebody who can play against them. Um, you know, a lot of times in a high school game, you'll see a really good player, but you look at it and go, well, okay, he's good, but he's the best player in the court. And in this event, yeah, they're going to be the best players in the court, but you're going to see Anthony Leo go against Trey Galloway. You're going to see different guys go head to head. And that, that's a really good thing. Um, and there aren't a whole lot of events during the high school season where you have uh, 12, 15, 18, maybe even 20 this year division one prospects in one gym in one day. Um, it, it, it's a phenomenal event. It, it's one of the best events in the, in the Midwest. And I'm not saying this just because Snow and I are friends. Um, oh, Uh-oh. God, I have a lot of snow in my friends. Ah, dang it. I, I can't Secrets believe that. Take that out. out. I don't want to admit that I'm friends <laughs> with Brian. Snow. Holy crap. Holy crap. We, 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 we can't have that. In, on, we'll on cut it out. We'll um, edit I take, it out. I take, I take all that back. I take all that back. But no, um, but you know, it, the event is, is phenomenal. It really is. And you look around the Midwest at basketball events that have this many division one prospects. Um, and, and it's very rare. And especially th- this is the only time, only time all year, you're going to see, uh, this many IU commits and IU prospects in the same gym. Um, and the only time all year. So if you're an IU fan, uh, grab your calendar, grab your phone, pop it in. Um, you need to be there at Southport. Um, you need to see all these guys and you can see them in one day. There you go. And I would like to add negotiations are ongoing but I believe Jeff Rabjohns will be signing autographs and taking pictures oh, during the event there you for go. all his adoring fans. Cherry on top. Yeah. And also I'll be happy to take pictures, do uh, whatever you want. You know, we, we, we can do a little quick video. Hey, everybody who are here at Southport, Brian Snow sucks. You know, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever the fans want, you know? All right. Well, listen, Rabby, thank you so much for hopping on last minute. We love bringing the mano to mano battle of snow versus Rabjohns to uh, the Hoosier hysterics podcast. Uh, the, we will call this round one. We will call it a draw, and uh, we, we will see what happens in the future. But, Rabbi, thanks so much. We're going to say goodbye to Brian, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds awesome, guys. Uh, Brian, you still there? I am here. Uh, listen, thank you so much for your time again. Uh, we did this for several hours about 10 months ago, and – I know Ward was very upset that he missed that one, so we were really excited to get you back on. Though I did really enjoy listening to it as like a listener. I was like, oh, th- this is great. This is some great uh, radio. Maybe I shouldn't go back. <laughs> uh, but really, really, you know, I've told you this offline, and I'll say it online, uh, you know, part of what makes the Pigs uh, membership so great is insight and updates and and your your just uh, personality on on the message boards. I enjoy it. You're fun to read. You you have incredible insight. You you're self deprecating, but clearly you bust your ass for what you do here. You watch a ton of basketball, and you're really good at analyzing the games and analyzing prospects. And it makes subscribing to Peaks just an absolute no brainer that we get to to get a peek inside your brain. And really appreciate you taking the time to do this with well, us. Well, and and we're like kids on Christmas when we see your your reports up. I, I do what I can for the team. I'm a team player. <laughs> All right, Brian, be good. Good luck with the event. We wish we could be there this year, but hopefully you'll be joined by about six thousand other irrational Hoosier hysteric Indiana fans. That would be fantastic. All right, buddy, be good, and we'll talk to you soon. Hoosier hysterics. Hoosier hysterics. 
That was fun. That was real fun. Uh, I'm glad I got in on the snowman this time. <laughs> yes, me too. I'm really glad that you were here for it. He was in prime form. Yeah. I mean, he was crushing me. He was crushing Rabby. You, he didn't make fun of you that much. I think he felt sorry for me. I was a step <laughs> slow. I didn't bring my A game. I worked out this morning, but haven't eaten. He was like, Ward, he can't. He can't. He can't handle it right now. He made fun of Indiana fans. Like I mean, yeah. And there's the truth in comedy, right? Like yes. that's how it usually works for him. Is he his his impersonation of the extremes of the Indiana fan being happy and sad, positive and negative about you know going from uh, one game to the next was was spot on. Yeah, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Though. Yeah. That's the difference. He yeah. said it. I'm like, yeah, what is wrong with the opinion that, <laughs> right, of right, those people right, right. on both sides? Yeah, I didn't accept it as a criticism, but a very accurate and humorous portrayal. Yeah, I was like, where's the banner for the Florida State game? I get it. Like, And then if we play bad against Wisconsin, then let's get rid of the staff and bring in a new one. But I'll tell you what, he made me feel a lot better about where uh, Holtman is at his alma mater and Mac at Louisville. That is Ohio State Holtman's alma mater. No, no, it's Snow's. Oh, Snow's alma mater. Yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry, I got confused. Okay. Yeah, um, and that it's just something where it's so tough. Even though I'm really excited about what's going on with IU right now, as untested as we are, it's that oh, um, yeah, I, I I've talked myself into the idea that Chris Mack. And Chris Holtman walked into much better situations without nearly as much knowledge of those situations compared to Bloomington as as Snowman has. And his is obviously more objective. And so to hear him come in strong with that argument, like that those guys were built. tangible things. Yes. Like that, that buy game stuff is really fascinating. Because we are irrational and we'll try to come up with any reason why we're not there yet. We're irrational because in the end we just look at the wins and losses. Like, yeah, that's the truth. We, and, we don't and, care about context and the rankings. It's like, oh, great, we're like twentieth in Ken Palm. We'll guess where Ohio State and Louisville are. Yeah, it's true. It, it is absolutely true. And look, as an Indiana fan, and I, I will, I think you'll agree with me here. That's all we should be worried about. Yeah, like eyes on the prize. I don't care. I, I I appreciate knowing the institutional stuff, and it helps provide context. But fix it. Like, I don't care what you have to do. Like, I'm a fan. I shouldn't have to worry about what the budget is for a bye game. Right, right. Just fix it and win. And yeah. win the right way so that we all can be proud of the program. Yeah, and, and it's we're in this day-to-day now. We're in the minutia of it, along with our fellow Peaksters. We know more about how the sausage is made than 99% of people who consider themselves Indiana basketball fans. And there's When good... you say we, you mean the Peekster, fellow Peaksters. Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. You, I, and Peekster Nation right. were, were as informed as— Maybe too informed. Well, it, Truthfully. It's, that there's positives and negatives because, you okay, you understand why Archie wasn't able to make the tournament in his first two years better than, say, an average fan on the street who just sees us losing— a shit ton of games. Um, and I like Snow's honesty also about, like, look, would I give Archie an A+. Plus? No. You know, is he doing a good job? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did he make a mistake with not our current point guard situation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's institutional things that, that uh, you and I have talked about this a lot. The margin for error for us is very slim. You know, uh, in part because of some of the misses, in part because of the bad timing with Romeo, and now in part because of these institutional uh, impediments that have have been placed on the Indiana program that you know we have nothing to do with, and that other major programs don't don't have. have. So our margin for error is smaller. So when you miss 
when you make the mistake of, I just didn't go after enough point guards. Well, if all the other things were working for you, you may not. that may not matter as much. Right. But it matters more. Everything gets magnified when your margin for error is so small. But it's such a, a correctable mistake. It's as correctable as a, a, as a 17-year-old kid saying yes. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> yeah. It is only correctable if you win those battles. And one thing we didn't get into, yes, he admitted, you know, Brian says Archie knew, knows now that he made a mistake, and he's correcting it with who he's recruiting. That said, he has missed on many of the big recruits in the point guard category over the last year and a half. Mostly from out of state. Yes, but Nigel Pack isn't an Indiana Hoosier from right. state. He's going to Kansas State. Right. Jaden Ivey is a guard going to Purdue, right? Isn't Ivey going to Purdue? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So there's some in-state guys that he missed on or didn't recruit, and some of that has to do with Ed Schilling. Right, know? that's what I was going to say. That's but, what... but again, the margin of error. Like Those are all the things that are under your control that if you miss on, it exacerbates the larger problem. Sure. But look, we've seen it up close and personal. We like this staff. We like what they're doing. We like the players they're bringing. We like in. these the are players. good We've dudes. Talked, that's what I mean by seeing it up close yeah, and personal. Yeah. We've talked to, um, you know, and we even talked to Derek Elston when he was on the staff. We got an inside peek at what are these guys like. We talked to Armand Franklin, Trace Jackson Davis, Joey Brunk, Anthony, Anthony Leal. Yes, exactly. Hopefully, we'll have Trey Galloway and Jordan Geronimo on soon. He's recruiting the right guys and the right families. So well, it's and, just going to take time. And, you know, I Hopefully know. Hopefully he'll have the time. I, yeah, I know. I think he will. I think he will because of a lot of these conversations we've had and, <laughs> but, the, and the goodwill he's beating up. What? Well, I, I'm going to the irrational fan thing. Like, I'm going to agree with you because we beat Florida State. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, if right. we had lost to Florida State and got smoked out of the building, right. and you and I were doing this right like, now. No, <laughs> clock's ticking. Clock's ticking. <laughs> but look, man, uh, this is going to air after the Wisconsin game. After we beat Wisconsin. I, I, I said this to you before we started. I expect to win that game. I do, too. I haven't I, felt that way in a long, long time. Well, and that's a mix between what I feel is us on the way up and them on the way down. And it, our irrational reaction to any little thing like one game in this moment in time at Bloomington where Devonte Green went off in a crazy way yeah but look Brian who I think we can agree the snowman is more level-headed and objective about these things calling Indiana going to be a better team this year than last you said that too thank you you for said giving that. Me that credit yeah I no, did say that during I, last year yeah yeah no and and a lot of people were not seeing that when you lose Jawan Morgan in Romeo, but you and the snowman were early banging that drum. So I I would like to think when we talk about we are oversaturated with information and opinions on what's going on with IU basketball. Yeah, it, I'd say it usually ends up. Let's let's just say for the time we've been doing this podcast, coming in like Archie's tenure, second year. And, and enough people who were around and really kind of knew where things went off the tracks with, with Crean that ultimately all that information, all that detail and nuance has made me more patient, right? But yeah, now yeah. this is circling back around to your point. At the end of the day, all those people, especially within the program and all the way up to Fred Glass, they all have something really at stake in buying in and and saying, hey, this is going to work. Sure. We just have to be patient. But we as the fans, now and forever, it is our duty to be 
be in, impatient, you know, to a, to a certain Patiently degree. Patiently impatient. Yeah, yeah, a healthy, where, where we need to give Archie time. And and I still think we have this season and next to before I start really solidifying an opinion one way or the other, but that that it is our duty as fans to say nothing less than a program that is consistently competing for Big Ten titles, national championships, you know, a real threat to make a run most years. Um, and we just have to be as good as the people that, the programs that you look around and you know we should be as good as. Right. We should be in the category of Michigan State, Louisville. Perennial top 10. Yeah. Perennial I mean, top 10. Yeah, I think Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky are in a slightly different category. See, that's, I that's do, fucked I do. up. That is, that I, is, we, I mean. I, I think they're in a slightly of course, different category. Of course category. they are today. But if we don't think we should be in that absolute A plus top tier now and forever, don't even don't give me that look. You kind of no no no. I'm you, saying you have I'm a look of like I would love for us to be, but I don't need that to be happy. Oh, I do. I don't because oh, I, I absolutely do. No, I don't. I what? Don't. I like, don't. You're saying you would be happy being be a happy notch below those programs be happy for the rest of our life, Michigan State level? Yeah. Absolutely. Michigan State won a national championship. They've gone to like eight Final Fours. They have a chance to win the so championship. Why wouldn't you put them in that other category? Because I don't think they're at that level. I don't. I, I think that from a talent perspective level and from a uh, – Well, look. But, I, I think that – But Izzo at Michigan people... State has had more success than Calipari at, at Kentucky. He's had. No, I'm he, not. I, I don't think he that's says, true. Well, how many Final Fours has Calipari gotten to, and how many know. national but, championships? But, I'm saying Izzo. Izzo's got one championship in like 20 years. Calipari's got one in half the time. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, he well, doesn't yeah. have two. I know. He but have, he, he how won many championships one in, does Bill Self have? One. He won, yeah. One. I know. I, look, you could knock Kansas out of there. I think Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke are at a different level. I do. Yeah, well, than Michigan State, but but look, and I would be happy with Michigan State level of talent. That's all I was saying. Would you be happy with Michigan State's level of success? All I'm saying Wait, is, would you? No, you wouldn't be happy if Indiana had Not, Michigan State's level of success over the last 15 years. Yes, here here's what. You, forget specific examples of the past. What I'm saying is, if we are not. When when anybody says who are the top programs in college basketball, yeah. if we're not in the first five coming to mind, what all look right. we're already like yeah, if you look roughly at, five, I'd be happy. Yeah, because look, you're looking at all time national championships. We're still top five. Yeah, I know. I so, know. So, I don't look at that though. What else is there to look at? Because I think that 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 what I mean, like the University of Cincinnati, sixty years ago, had as many championships as. Indiana, right? That that, that I, I don't. So, do you want Indiana to just go be pushed further no, back in the no, rearview mirror? Of course like not. What I'm saying is, I look at the last twenty years, twenty five years, as a good kind of litmus test, and the programs that are the best of those years, I look and I go, if we had Michigan State or Louisville's level of success for the last twenty five years, twenty years, I'd be happy. And I don't think those schools are at the same level as Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. Could be wrong, but, that's, but, but I don't. But eventually, you know, Coach K. I don't Roy, have to be in those three in the conversation of the top three, top I, five or six. Okay. Sure, let let top me, ten. Let I'll be me happy. be clear. I would like to be considered the best college basketball program in the country. Of course, I'd like to be, but I don't need that to be happy. Yeah, I th I think I need to be. Hey, throw out the best college basketball programs in the country, the Blue Bloods. Okay, let's just call it Blue Bloods. Fine. Yeah, well, we're we're going to be in the blue. We're. Yeah, we're in the blue blood category for other reasons too. Yeah, but I think at some point, 
that's that starts to expire and it becomes they were a blue blood. Yeah, no, and, look, and we, we see it with like Nebraska football and you know, like it can go away. Like Brian Snow was mentioning, like yeah. if you don't do the things you have to do, you become a, what what these like uh, the example I gave of Cincinnati winning championships years ago. You become not that thing. So we have to do the things. I, I think we have to win a championship like in this generation. You know, in Archie's tenure, if if he's going to be around for you know ten plus yeah, years, I would like to win a championship. Yeah. I yeah, mean, there's yeah. nothing else. Like I'm sorry, but I my, my remembering Keith Smart's shot maybe wrecked me for life where I'm not going to be satisfied truly fully with a big 10 championship. I mean, cream got us two of those. That wasn't enough for me getting to a final four. That's just blue balls, man. I need a national championship. I do. Or I'm going to die. I'm going (laughs) to die die less happy. I'm going to die less happy. Well, no, that's true. That's true. If we don't win a championship before the time I die, I will be less happy. Okay. <laughs> I think that's, that's where we ended. All right. Well, follow us. Oh, wait. I, our guys gave us the thing, right? They gave us how to say our Twitter handle. Stephen Cliff, what up? What up, boys? And a little shout out to Flat Mike. He was there, too, in yeah, spirit. Flat Mike. We'll meet in real life someday. They told us that the when I say at Hoosier Hysterics on Twitter, no vowels and hysterics, that I was grammatically incorrect because in this case, the Y in hysterics is the vowel. So we were trying Some, to think, Sometimes why. Sometimes why. So we're trying to think of a catchy way to say it. And he is saying, here's what I should say. At Hoosier Hysterics, no E, no I, but the sometimes why. But here's the problem. I have to say in hysterics. Yeah. So because there is an E and an I in, in Hoosier. We, we covered this last time. But he gave us this after last time and said that he had figured it out. He hasn't figured it out. Oh. So it's at Hoosier, follow us on Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics. In hysterics, no E, no I, but the sometimes Y. Yeah. All right, that works. Yeah. Well, he didn't say that. That's what we figured out last time. But he said we didn't figure that out last time. Well, he's wrong. Is this Cliff? I, I can't. Or yeah, was this Cliff. Steve? Cliff. Okay. That's Cliff. All right, Cliff. Well, here. See what Wait, you think of it. We spent way too much time talking about it. Let's do it for real. And remember, we both say the sometimes why. Or wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or did you just want this me to finish This is just brutal. Is anyone listening to this? Uh, Steve, Cliff, <laughs> and, and your parents. And Wally and Marsha. Okay. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. At Hoosier Hysterics. In hysterics, no E, no I, but the sometimes But the sometimes But the sometimes Yeah, it needs the the. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics. In hysterics, no E, no I, but, but the, the sometimes, sometimes Y. Nailed it. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.